Welcome to Talking in Stations, an EVE Online podcast. I am Matt Arale, your host. Today we're going to talk about the Imperium's campaign in the North, and with the deal struck between Sort Dragon and the Imperium, uh, this campaign seems to be over. And following that was another deal struck in the South uh, between Fraternity and Test Alliance. So with those two peace treaties signed, that essentially ends the war that we've been talking about for the last two months. So today uh, we have a couple of panels, uh, guys, and we have Asher Elias, the FC from Goonswarm. We'll get to him in just a second. I want to say hi to Dirk McGurk first. Good morning, Matterall. Good morning. Buenos dias. <laughs> That's right. Mexican Independence Day was just the other day. Um, but I did want to say to the crowd uh, that this is like exactly what Talking In Stations was always meant to be is uh, smart guys talking about EVE Online over coffee. Uh, so next we have another smart guy, Artemis Alboza. You need to warn me when you're going to mention coffee because I never have it. <laughs> we need to get better at preparing for these things. So I, it is afternoon and I have water. How's it going? Oh, Millennials. We'll just call you Mormon. Um, and today's guest, uh, we have one of two. The second one is going to show up in a little while. Uh, but we have Asher Elias with us. He is the uh, FC for Imperium and Goonswarm. Uh, I think I'm on the wrong show. You uh, you wanted smart people, and uh, <laughs> I'm concerned. <laughs> Asher so is one of... What are you drinking? Uh, I have Crystal Light Lemonade. Sorry wow. to disappoint. Yeah. It's like a Southern Admiral in the U.S. Navy, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, so Asher is uh, also a podcaster who had the Asher Hour, which was an FC's podcast, which was brilliant, because if you ever want to know anything about FCing and fleet doctrines and strategies, that was the show to listen to. Uh, so, uh, And he is one of the few guys that could really carry a show by himself. I think one episode, he actually talked for a full hour by himself, which was amazing. Oh, one of my skills. Yeah, I will now, fill the airwaves. The audience <laughs> wants to know: is that is that legit Crystal Light, or is it Kirkland Signature Brand? Or it actually is Kirkland Brand Lemonade. Yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm living up to the meme. It, the Costco, you can buy like a whole package of them. You get like like forty little packs. You know? Oh man, it's such a good value. What is that meme about you and Kirkland? You know, you're just on a fleet and you're shooting a structure, and you just. I have time to kill, right? And so uh, I, I eat a lot of Kirkland protein bars. Like um, I used to eat Quest protein bars. They're like $2.50 per bar. And I think Costco, like they made their own knockoff of the Kirkland ones and they're a dollar per bar. So I, I have a lot of them. Um, and uh, I would just start talking about how they're delicious and nutritious and like give my <laughs> fleet a whole pitch about how great they were. And it just kind of spiraled out of control because I just I would just shove it in at inappropriate times. Dirk knows all about that. And <laughs> uh, he, he is to Kirkland what uh, Sapporo Jones is to Subaru. Absolutely right. Yeah, exactly. All right. So uh, yeah, because I think they were going to name a Keepstar after that, like the Kirkland something something. Oh, yeah, it's the Kirkland Protein Star. Goons are calling it the Kirkland Protein War. So uh, it's uh, it, the meme is spread. It's infectious. <laughs> I was wondering about that because um, there's a lot to be said about the fight over the name. Uh, even we at TIS were discussing that. Yeah. Like, how do you brand this war? You guys are calling it the protein war? Kirkland protein war. Yeah. Yeah. 
um i just think it's just it's just a funny name because it's not uh consequential and there's really no baggage attached to it so people just enjoy it that's why i think you have people uh, glommed on to it yeah probably probably the worse we were doing the more we would fight over the the power of the name right like uh, there's been a, there's still bitter fighting over what to call World War B slash the Casino War, right? Like there's still people yeah. arguing over that two years later because it inflames such passions. Um, this war has been, um, you know, let's call it a, a bit of a rollover, uh, even though there was it was probably hard fought. Um, so I think that people have less invested in what to call it. Well, I mean, you know, and, th- and this was a this was a topic that, when I saw it. It was like three o'clock in the morning my time, and and they're like, you know, what are we calling this war? And and like there are people, some you know, kind of throwing some stuff out and whatnot. And and a lot of it, I think, it was depending on, I guess, where they were coming from, was focused sort of on what was happening in the north. And I'm like, you know, this war, the war, was going on well before that it was going on well before two months ago matter all when you talked about how we've been talking about this war for for two months i mean really the two months has only been what i've deemed to be um um the escalation that resulted in the imperium going active into a campaign that was part of a larger war i I don't know that i would call what the imperium did in the north a war in and of itself as much as a campaign related to a second front in the larger thing, when P, you know, after PL decided that they were going to bring in all their heavy stuff down into the south, and then the Imperium decided that they were going to go active into something that they had only had SIGs involved with before. Uh, so it's, right. it's, it's kind of hard to name the, the, the giant global picture, you know, because of like where it began and then kind of what really came out of it. I mean, like we've always looked at sort of like, well, what consequentially happened in these things to maybe sort of give it some some definable name? And even that's hard. So you've got the um, Mittens, as much as he would like to uh, deny that he would ever compare Eve to real life history, he does really like the the Chevashi, which was like this uh, this word that was described as a sort of British tactic where they would like go to France, raid a bunch of villages, and and then just go home essentially. And it was sort of like a war, but it was more of a raid where you weren't actually trying to take anything. And, and he's used the term before, but it actually really fits in this one. Um, and I do agree. It's kind of hard to, to define the starting point because, you know, I've been in the North since uh, November and you guys often saw these, you know, battle reports we were talking about where we were fighting two or three to one and we were winning pretty consistently. Pretty much, I'd say we won at least 95% of our fights and we were almost always outnumbered. Uh, and especially at the start. Um, and but by the way, start, you used to yeah. want to keep that quiet. You're like, yeah, we're not talking about it. We don't want it ruined. We're having a great time. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, what I always say is that the most precious resource in Eve is fun or fights. And if you have fights, uh, other people will want to be involved in them because it's the thing that you cannot make more of, right? Um, so if you let people know that they're happening, they will come and they will ruin it. It's unintentionally. It's it, you know, it's it's a a tragedy of the commons type thing where you only have enough uh, enough grass for five sheep, but eighteen sheep want to eat, right? So. <laughs> I, I would argue that that changes depending on what scale you're fighting at, because having fought out in Great Wildlands and ch- chatted about it a lot, all we've just had are similar sized groups jumping in as third parties. And so instead of a two way fight, you have a four way fight. Yeah. I think at your scale, it's, you, it's bat phones. It's not third parties. And that's what ruins it. 
I was worried about that Great Wildland stuff because someone was promoting it on Reddit, and I'm like, that's going to get out of control real quick. Like that's that's one of my rules. I tell my guys, don't ever post on Reddit. Just don't talk in local. Don't post on Reddit. Don't draw any attention to yourself when you're you're getting what you want because, um, you know, it's it's bad. It it doesn't help. Um, so like when we were when I was posting on Reddit during these, you know, this. Uh, sort of the pre-war, which you wouldn't call like when Reavers and, and then later Space Violence were there and Black Ops from Goons. Um, the only time you want to post like that is when you want, it's for the benefit of your enemy, right? It's it's so that they see something because, um, you know, I've, I'm in their comms. I, I, I read their, I read their, their pings and uh, they, they're not good at, they're not good at spin. They don't spin. They just lie. And, and so you, when you see that, you have to get out your message of like, you lost. You have to let the people know on the other side that they lost because the other side will not tell their dudes. Um, so that's the only time you need to do it because you're trying to to break their spirit. Because when they're bringing three times your, your number of guys, you have to do something to trim those numbers a little bit. Um, and, and so that that's where the morale comes in. But the um, um, if you start posting about your dunks and you are uh you're gloating or you're you're bragging you're going to end up drawing people who want to take that smug from you and who want to have the fun that you're having and it'll ruin it yeah uh so you're you have a bunch of spies in there and you're uh killing their dudes uh yeah um black hand is is the, the best it's ever been since i've been here by quite a bit um when Andy andy used to run the black hand and when he left to go to pl uh, we had one test spy and we had one brave newbie spy. And I think that was it. So, uh, and, and, you know, we, we would talk about how great the agency was, but it was a hundred percent a bluff. You know what I mean? Like there was just nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it's been rebuilt to the point where we are in every group everywhere and have active agents. And the nice thing about this kind of campaign was these agents, you know, you put them in a group and you have them say, oh, you know, that you have them join, uh, let's say they join Mortis Angels, right? But if you're not fighting Mortis Angels, there's, they, they don't feel very, you know, used because um, there's no purpose. So when you when you have them in a group and then they can help you and they can say, hey, this is, this is the fleet they're forming um, uh, and give you information and this is what their FC is thinking, it gives them a lot of purpose. And like a lot of them, you know, message me or send me a message saying, hey, uh, this is really fun or, you know, some of the most fun I've had doing this. So I feel really good about it. Hmm. So it's still a big thing, right? All the, the spying thing, like that never went away. No, it, it won't. It's, it's, uh, to fight without spies is, um, um, I don't know. It, it's like deciding that fighting with one hand is more honorable than fighting with two and, and <laughs> just, just hurting yourself for no real reason. Like it, it, it's a, if you want to call it a race to the bottom, if you find it you know, ethically distasteful or for some, or distasteful for any reason, uh, then maybe it is. But if you don't do it, you're going to lose. I, I like to look at Eve as sort of a evolution simulator. The alliances that succeed are those that uh, adapt to the conditions um, and the ones who do not are those who get eliminated by natural selection. Like the reason that everyone runs fleets in a certain way now is because the people, it's not because like, it is because it's the best way to do it. Um, but it's, it's not because like you had to, it's because all the alliances that didn't died. And so those FCs that w- didn't want to run in that certain way, lose the ability to run fleets. So it is like, it is like evolution where you see, uh, you're being pushed towards a more effective way. And, and if you don't do it, you're, you're going to die. Yeah. 
you know, right. it's funny, it is funny the way that spies get used because it's like, um, obviously you've got things like the black hand, right. Which are really, you know, deep penetration type stuff and, and, you know, looking for Intel and things like that. Right. You know, and then I've never actually experienced this in the, in the Imperium that I, the, that I can remember, but I have been other places where like the way I would experience, we've got to spy some places when, you know, a fleet's going on and it's like, all you're, all you're hearing every once in a while is so-and-so broadcast for reps. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, and I'm going, I'm going, okay, what's going to, and then it's like, you know, you're Dirk McGurk broadcast for reps. And I'm like, but I'm not locked up yet. Oh, all right, let me broadcast though. And then like 30 seconds later, you're getting yellow box. Yeah. Yeah. That, the, the spy life, like people picture themselves being James Bond, but it's really ungra- unglamorous. It's having to listen to two comms at once, relaying who their primary is, um, you know, just, stuff like that that is really kind of boring overall but uh but you know extremely important all right well let's talk about this uh, conflict because it started when we'll get to the present day stuff that happened this week where the treaties were signed and there was pressure applied to uh, guardians of the galaxy Peace in our time <laughs> yeah but let's go back let's go back to what you would call the beginning of that war like what what happened um, or was that too long ago no it's not the, the <laughs> It, events in Eve tie together, and like I don't, yeah. I don't. It's a continuum, right? Exactly. I don't uh, personally like do the 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 casino war still going on thing that people say, but uh, it is it is related. Like, um, so the reason that we were in the north at all was because we went to Conan with all our capitals, right? And that was about a year ago, actually. And um, we we had a guy, uh, Big Bill, the boss three he did not want to fly his capitals back to, to Delve and his insurance was running out. So what he did was he started solo dropping in, uh, in Declan. He's like, there's lots of Rorquals here. Uh, my, my insurance is about to run out. So I'm just going to drop them here. And then e- even though he was doing, um, let's say questionable tactics, like seating a dread on a Rorqual, which is a really bad idea. Uh, he was still getting a pretty decent amount of kills. So then he was like, Oh guys come up here. And then like, you know, eight guys came up there. And then the goon Black Ops 6 saw this, and they came up there. And then Zungan from Black Ops like, uh, messaged me. He's like, oh, you should bring Reavers up here. This was like a month after Bill went up there. And so once I went up there, I was telling Kendar about it. And so like two or three months later, he brings Space Violence up there. Um, oh, and, so you were before Kendar. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, basically, they, they actually had their stuff timed to U.S. time zone because they thought that'd be annoying. And when we came up there, and you know, Reavers is U.S. time zone, they timed it to EU time zone and Kendar in space violence are EU time zone. So when uh, Kendar and EU time zone came up there, they timed it to Australian time zone. Um, now that this war is over, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a big push against uh, time zone taking. I think it's really bad for the game. I think your time zone should be set based on your activity um, because it's just the number one reason that people don't go places and fight because they know if we show up a week later, I won't be able to fight over any of the objectives because they'll time it away from me. So you have like the bare minimum requirement for fi- for going to someone else's space and fighting over it is I have to have 24 hour, 20, uh, 24 hour, 24 seven coverage. And I think that's way too high of a bar uh, for uh, for you to make progress against you know attacking an enemy. That's cool. Real quick. Um, do you think they can do that by looking at when most of your guys are achieving kills or dying and say, yeah, this is their... I think the I think the way to do it is just to tie it to um, uh, rats killed in system because it's the it's the hardest way that you could, or easiest excuse me it is the toughest one to game and if you end up uh, with 
uh, if you if there's a system that literally no one rats in, um, you just you would have you know the time zone set to when some roamer comes through and kills a gate rat, right? But that means that you don't control the system at all. It would also open up interesting things where if you wanted to like reset their timers, you could effectively take control of the system and keep them from ratting for like a whole week where you only ratted in your like your appropriate period of time, and uh, it would reset the timer. But that would require you to demonstrate a huge level of control of the system, which basically means that they have none of it. Um, that that falls apart if you're like a mostly take for example a mostly USTZ organization who is going to war with someone. Suddenly, all of the USTZ folks are out fighting all the time, and the only people who are ratting in their space, at least the majority of people who are ratting in their space, are the ones out of that time zone who have time not fighting. So if you go to war on an offensive war, suddenly your time zone tanking is going to flip to a not optimal time zone. Well, I, I, mean, I, I don't want to get too far into the mechanics because yeah. we're telling we're going through Fair history. Enough. But yeah, we'll we'll uh, we'll get back I feel, to. I feel like time zone tanking is one of those topics like flaky <laughs> camping. Yeah, we'll come back to time zone tanking when we uh, put together a a brief to give to CSM. Um. Go on, Asher. You were telling us, like, uh, I forget where you left it. <laughs> I was down the rabbit hole. Um, yeah, 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 no, but you, you were before. I interrupted you first. I said that you came before uh, space, space violence showed up. Yeah, right. City. So, yeah, yeah. So they, they timed it to EU, so we uh, space violence to come up. Then they timed it to Australian time zone. So um, it, it became the thing where we really couldn't hit any of their structures because they, they just kept timing away from the fights. Um, which I mean was rewarding in and of itself because you're talking about you know Goon Sigs where um, you know the U.S. time zone Sig was getting uh, at at best our best fleet was 80 people right, but uh, a normal fleet was 50 to 60, and, and Kendar and Space Violence gets you know 70 to 100. So um, you know versus GUTG CO2 um, and all their hangers on was um, CO2 there at that time. Uh, they moved in around the time when Space Violence came. So, oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, they were they were there for these fights, and uh, um, uh, I mean, you saw the results. Even when we couldn't hit their structures uh, effectively, uh, we could still start anchoring ours around their Keepstar and forcing them to come fight, uh, or, or let us have structures like on their Keepstar grid, which I think is a huge embarrassment to an alliance. Like if if uh, like I think that's terrible for morale. Like you undock, and there is an enemy, you know, structure anchored on your Keepstar grid. Like that sends an awful message to your members, uh, especially when they've seen the size of the enemy fleets, right? And and you keep telling them that you're winning. Like that's why I started doing that. Like every day, I would just drop a new structure, um, because and I would just make I would make the messages or the names of the structures a message like, uh, you know, uh, like that we were winning or that your your lines was lying to you because they were and. That kind of thing tears down morale, um, and so um, we would force them to fight that way. And then you'd, you'd occasionally see, oh, here a super died from GTG. Oh, here five titans died from GTG. Oh, here Sort Dragon's avatar died from GTG. Like even with all of these, even with them time zone taking us out, we were still able to get um, pretty big set pieces where we uh, won very handily. So were there were there any you were hiding? Say that again. Were there any that you were hiding? Like, were you, I mean, you're putting out there like every time something happens to them, but 
anytime you lose a fight and stuff like that. Oh, oh no, Riot Rick is in their lines. Don't worry. Anytime there was anything close to resembling a loss, he was he was just more than happy to post it on on Reddit. Um, so there wasn't there wasn't anything that uh, that Got was. Yeah, All right, I'm, I'm thinking about like INN articles and stuff like that. If that was uh, if there was you know people are likely to write about stuff there when they're winning, and then articles where they're losing is probably not so much. But again, uh, that goes yeah, to right self-selecting. Yeah, 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 self-selecting. Sorry, Dirk, I jumped in front of you. Go no, ahead. that's fine. So the the SIGs were up there, and they it sounds like it was just sort of a uh, happenstance sort of build up of hey, look, there's activity here. We should you know, maybe get a little uh, you know a few more people involved or whatever. It kind of grew you know organically over time. Let's call it. Um, I want to say the first big thing that sort of happened up there, though, right? Was was we stumbled across reinforcing uh, that Keepstar in nine four, right? And dropped a whole bunch of structures all around it. Um, let me think about it. I mean, because because with that, when that went down, right? There was a lot of speculation out there about you know, oh, is this an invasion of the North, right? And right, and right. you know, and and and, and the, I want to say the mantra coming out of the Imperium was we just got SIGs deployed up there. You know, you know, oh look, we just stumbled across this thing, and whoops, it reinforced itself. Um, Turn that. That was, pretty, that was pretty much unrelated, though. I mean, I think that really had, had nothing to do with it. Um, I think right before that, though, there was a signal, at least I heard from certain channels, that you guys were going all in. Like, things were starting to, like, build up. Either an increase in aggression or something was happening. You're talking about 9-Tech-4 back in January? Uh, I'm talking before 9-Tech-4. So, like, from, from the inside, from MC's perspective... We thought things were getting serious when we started having fights happening in Branch and in Declan and on sort of like the edge of tribute all at the same time. Like these were this was at the time when stations were still flipping over. Right. So you still had solve over stations to see who would get the final outposts. And when we saw all of these timers happening at the same time, seemingly coordinated, that seemed more than just, oh, a few SIGs deployed down there on their own to us. Yeah, what I can tell you it wasn't. That? It wasn't. I mean, uh, I had to. Just pure luck that it happened to be at the same time. Not pure luck. I mean, we're just. It's just the, the strategy is is to make people run around, move their fleets, so that you have an option to hit them. Like that's that's just good strategy for for running a guerrilla type campaign. Um, were you trying to grab any of those keep stars? I mean, sorry, any of those forts before they flipped the stations? Are you talking about the forts they flipped to us? Not recently, but when when the whole the system faction changed. forts. Yeah, faction forts. Were you trying to grab any like? Mm. Oh, oh, oh. Um, yeah, we were like it'd be fun to grab some, but we knew that we, you know, in Australian time zone, we really couldn't win the timers, so it wasn't it wasn't really a a serious uh, option. Can we talk for a moment about how you were winning the fights when you were so massively outnumbered? If you're willing to discuss it, because I mean, that seems not, the most interesting with, part of it. Not with me, without me sounding like a giant smug asshole. Okay, uh, you have enough. you have five minutes of permission to sound like. <laughs> it. I, I don't actually really like to do that too much. Um, yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> um, you know, it's just I think part of it is that like the 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 more you rely on your whole alliance, the more you have um, people who are are just generally um you know really casual people and um and the, just the value they bring is 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 less than someone who's like really focused so it's once again a self-selecting thing so someone who joins weavers probably um will come up come with the right fit 
they probably will not ask a, a, a bad question while you're trying to focus on something and distract you. And overall, each of those people is worth more than uh, a, a main fleet kind of guy. Um, and so when you're fighting an enemy who they have to go and get the guy who hasn't been paying attention for three weeks and just comes on this one fleet, um, that's something that the FC or someone on his crew has to spend their focus on. Um, and so you're, you're fighting, uh, it, like anytime you get a small self-selecting group of people, they're probably going to beat a random slice of people cho chosen from like main fleet of any Alliance. Um, and so it probably just helps uh, that, um, and, uh, like on a personal level, I just don't like to lose. And so I, I prepare, uh, a lot and, um, uh, it's it's just like what I was talking about evolution with FCs. Uh, it, it applies the same way. Like the the things you did even five years ago, uh, a good FC did like uh, a mediocre FC does today, right? A mediocre a mediocre FC today is probably the best FC ten years ago. And um, when you have uh, you know, so when you put in the extra effort, and which is something that my fleet sometimes make fun of me for going overboard on, uh, you tend to do do better. There's a bunch of main fleet guys out in the uh, Twitch chat that are asking if you're talking about them. <laughs> Is he talking about me? Uh, yeah, I wasn't. Uh, yeah, I wasn't referring to any particular <laughs> member. It was like oh, a, I'm like main fleet equals conscripts. <laughs> I, I mean, I think public. if you have to ask yeah. that question, you can rest assured it's probably a reference. Okay, let me let, let me let you in. He's got he's got main fleet guys in every harbor, so <laughs> you're, not, you're, not, you're not the special one. <laughs> I don't like, yeah. and the thing is, I'm not one of those people who like, who looks down on flying with main fleet or whatever. Like I just, uh, um, I mean, you just have to be aware of what you're doing. Like you have to fly a, maybe a, a simpler doctrine. Like, uh, you can't, um, run like a super specialized doctrine that requires everyone to do the exact right thing because you're not going to get that. Um, but like, there's nothing wrong with being a casual player. I really hate elitist attitudes. So, um, I'm explaining it in the context of, why we won, not like why we were better, if that makes sense. Anyway, that that's that tangent done. Let's get back to nine tech four Keepstar, somewhat unrelated, but we've got SIGs in the north. What's going on? That really had nothing to do with the SIGs in the north. I mean, it, it literally didn't. I was the one who pitched that. I I I, I pitched Hakkinen uh, or Hakkonen, however you want to say it. Um, I I am extremely worried about Goons becoming Goons 2015, where we had won some victories the previous year, like in BTACR and other fights, and we'd won some wars, and then we just sat and rotted. And you had just uh, there's nothing wrong with crabbing, but there is something wrong with doing 100% of it, your, your time crabbing. Um, and I think that I think that you know, uh, not to get too uh, corporate jingo six sigma but i think you want to fail forward fast i think you want to get stuck in in situations where um your chances of winning are low but your um but the stakes are also low so something like hackenden where we deployed and just brought our capitals up and left our super capitals behind we put ourselves in a situation where it was incredibly unlikely that we could win against the combined super forces of the north but um that experience that we took out of there was incredibly valuable. Uh, RFC's got experience, and the North got propaganda. They ha they were just living it up on Reddit about how they were killing goons and how bad goons are. But they did it with supers and titans, 
And that was of no value to them, but it was of incredible value to us. When we were in those typhoon fleets fighting against supers and Macario fleets, like that kind of experience is extremely valuable. Uh, it also, um, it also is good for your line members. Whereas if you're in the Titan and you're just, you're just Turkey shooting. Um, I don't think that makes you a better person uh, or a better pilot really. And you have something like that where the people in the North would go, uh, you know, where we would go to nine tech four and try to take down this keep star against the entire North. Um, they would go and they would shoot Providence. And when we would go to hack it in, uh, and with just our capitals and fight their super capital fleet, uh, they would go and shoot Providence. And when you only take victories that are guaranteed, you become goons 2015, you become rotten on the inside. And you saw it like you saw it when we actually came with even numbers. Like I have been pointing out that the super and Titan numbers in X47 were 1% apart. It was the closest super and Titan fight ever. And they had the advantage of tether. When you, when you actually saw it come down to it, you saw that they had become rotten and that all the experience that we have of putting ourselves into situations where we weren't likely to win had benefited us. So the Typhoon fleet experience transferred to Titan piloting? It transfers. No, it's it's not like uh, you fly this, this Typhoon and you fly your Titan better. So but fleet discipline. Yeah, it, it transfers to... Okay. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So we've got SIGs in the north... That all sort of dies down in the timeline, working our way up to the war, which has just ended, so to speak. Where are we? Um, where do you want to be? Like we, I think the war in the North proper started around early July. Um, it was, it was. Uh, we weren't planning on doing that. Like we were planning on going to war, but in in a month or two from now, actually, um, we had to borrow for, a keep for star. winter war, right? Yeah, we had to borrow a keep star from one of our corps. We didn't have one ready. Like the one we dropped was a borrowed keep star. Um, what, but, what was the event though that that made you jump in? Yeah, yeah, it was PL going south. You know, um, when they went south, the balance of power in the north uh, changed to the point where it looked like it was about even. And um, and so uh, you know, I talked to Pro God and Billy, and you know, basically what we what we came up with was we're like, you guys, you guys in the south, test and legacy, you're going to lose. Like you're greatly outnumbered. There are a bunch of, you know, they have way more supers and titans than you do and more just raw numbers. But can you guys fight a delaying action while we attack them in the north? Uh, and we have even numbers in the north and we think we can push them. Um, and, and, you know, to their credit, uh, Prograd and Billy were 100% on board with that. Like they were willing to fight the losing action while we push them in the north and you know the strategic goal was to draw pl back was like if we can push them in the north then pl will have to come home and then test has or legacy i should say has you know evened out the numbers at that point and i mean you know now in retrospect that obviously it was uh, pl was a paper tiger and uh, nc was also a paper tiger but um at the outset we did not realize that we thought that they were going to to hit test and legacy really hard and we thought that uh it, it would be you know a uh, really tough road to hoe in the north um and both of those you know i don't want to minimize the work we put into it but both of those ended up proving not to be true when when you know the rubber met the road we uh we won those battles uh pretty consistently so i wonder if the calculation was hey let's go up there and and again, clog their cannons with our bodies, like die a bunch, since we can reproduce our losses faster than they can. So it would be okay to do something like that. But then you ended up kind of winning the battles anyway. 
Uh, yeah, there, there was certainly the calculation that uh, in the north, um, even though, so we thought we would be outnumbered in supers and titans, but we said if we lose like 1.3, 1.4 times the amount they do, we have the capacity to rebuild it. So if we if we rebuild it, um, you know, we can we can replace it with the material faster than they can. Um, so it doesn't matter if we lose. I mean, that, that had to be the calculation at the start because you wouldn't have taken that fight otherwise. You know, um, you know, we thought at the time that that we were going to be outnumbered. It turned out that it was going to be even, basically. But we thought we'd be outnumbered in Supers and Titans uh, in the north. And certainly in the south, they were outnumbered in Supers and Titans. So um, from our perspective, it was it was kind of like a, another scenario like Hackenin or 9-Tech-4 where we would be outnumbered, but we felt that we had built ourselves uh, industrial capacity enough that we could, uh, you know, America and World War II just make more Shermans. Yeah, or at least test it out, like yeah. get those factories going, see what happens. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I just want to flip back just a second to, you know, to, to the 9-Tech-4 because... When when that battle went down, right, that was still under the old mechanic of um, you can sit there and trebuchet fighters across, but still be tethered until they actually engaged, right? And then that got changed, and that whole thing got changed after that, right? Is is that why we no longer really see kind of the trebuchet um, maneuver tactic as much now? And, and and it basically just converted over to drop mound of titans on field and you know basically dare a standoff on that. Well, we did actually do that uh, trebuchet or skydent tactic um, for some of the keep stars that we killed once they had broken, uh, just because yeah. it, it, it's it's safer um, and you don't have to have your titans on the on the grid, you know, where they can disconnect, which is the major concern. Yeah. So, uh, but it, it proved to be a, a non-starter as far as. Um, uh, you know, hitting hitting a keep star under six thousand people in the system. Yep. It, you know, it would have worked if if the servers had worked, but it didn't. Um, and in in January for the million dollar battle, we were not in the place uh, to fight a Titan slugfest versus PLNNC. Like that was that was there was no way that would have worked. We had way less than they did then, and um, uh, and that's why when PL deployed, that's why it started looking like, hey, this is a, a fight we could take because. It, it made the numbers uh, palatable to us. So um, it was never going to happen in um, in 9-Tech-4. In that million-dollar battle, uh, you know, article that ProGod wrote, uh, at the time, uh, tests were not our allies, and ProGod would have loved nothing more, and he said this, he would have loved nothing more than for the two of us, us groups, to slug it out, because if PL had taken major losses, NC had taken major losses, and Goods had taken major losses, who's the only group left with Titans that uh, didn't take any losses? They're like pushing you to get into a war. He said he's literally said that was the point of him writing it was yeah. to go go to all of us into having a Titan fight because it would have been good for his group. Yeah, yeah, I remember him saying that, uh, and and that might have been because I think he also said like, "Oops, I pissed off Matani uh, more so than I meant to." So it might have been a way of saying like, you know, that's just uh, the meta play, meta calculation I was making. So nothing personal. Yeah, he went pretty hard at Mittens, mittens on that one. It was it was pretty <laughs> funny. Did. All right, uh, Elise Randolph just joined us in perfect timing because we're talking about PL's move to the South to enter into the war. Uh, Elise, thanks for uh, running home and getting on. Uh, yeah, no problem. Uh, just a, a quick morning jog, something I'm, I constantly do every single day to stay in super shape. You're so fit. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> you, can admit, you, you can admit you were at church. 
Taylor Swift concert I heard. Dude, I actually did go to a Taylor Swift concert uh, last month. It was kind of amazing. I know it's it sounds like a, a, a weird meme thing to do, but it was actually amazing. It was me, probably like four dads, and then just 40,000 women oh. aged 8 to 60. I was, I was going to ask how many dads were in the audience. Yeah, there was a guy right behind me uh, just wearing a Slayer shirt, and he just looked dead in his eyes. It was a hero. <laughs> that guy loves his children. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, we're just going over the um, the actual like full length of the war with Asher, and uh, one of the things that made really the Northern Campaign start was PL moving south to help, uh, I guess it was Fraternity and Try take on Test. Uh, is there anything you can tell us now in retrospect about that? Um, not so much, really. It's just uh, it's something that our campaign commanders kind of had been wanting to do. And it's something that we, I don't know, we had been hearing Tess saying, oh, if you bring Super South, we're going to go join goons and you're going to be screwed forever. As if it were some sort of, of threat to us. We're just like, eh, you know what? We, we might as well go south. Uh you know, we thought we had a pretty good thing going with uh, Tri and Fraternity over there. They had uh, some time zone coverage that was really nice. And so, so we uh, decided to fight the, the Tappy guys and, and we brought our supers with us this time. It looked good uh, on paper. And the one thing you couldn't, you couldn't break their uh, counter escalation of supers, if I remember correctly. So it was, I think uh, Villy had beaten you guys pretty well made a big video about it um, or a video was made about it where he's saying like, this is, this is where we fight kind of thing. Um, yeah, it was, um, it, was to the, it was to the point where it, it felt like every big timer we had instead of just fighting in subcaps, uh, the tappy guys would escalate, which is totally fine. It's, it's not like a cheap thing to do at all. Um, I, I mean, I would have done it too if I were in their shoes, uh, but we just had no answer for that. Um, and the way we thought we might have had an answer for it, but they just had so many faxes and the way faxes uh, work, it was still a little bit daunting to try and break through it. So we we're just like, you know what? Uh, we can bring our supers too and just see how this works. And then as soon as we did, they moved, <laughs> they moved their supers like one midpoint back and, uh, and, and things kind of died down a little bit. So, uh, you stepped at them and they moved back. Yeah, and then they made good on their promise to uh, to comment of uh, make a good standing with uh, the Imperium as well. So so now they're buddy buddies, which was incredibly. I don't know. I, I got a lot of joy out of that uh, to hear Pro God just kind of <laughs> retroactively calling uh, the war that he was in before uh, from World War B to the yeah. Casino War. Like it's, yeah, it was just was so good. It just made me laugh. I'm sure he did it on purpose uh, and, and to meme as well, but it just made me laugh. That was when, when your old girlfriend starts dating the guy you don't like. Yeah, yeah. That was, that, was, that was actually part of the agreement uh, that he had to say that to invoke the Imperium getting involved. Uh, yeah. I love some people complaining about the deal with G2G. They're like, that someone's, we should have put in a, a clause there that all their members have to call it the Casino War. <laughs> yeah, the Casino War clause. You guys, the Imperium should just roll through everywhere and just the surrender terms be, you guys got to call it the Casino War now. That's it. That's, That's the it. only thing That's you have it. to do. Yeah. That's funny because there was a commission uh, after I'll use uh, the title that uh, the commission wanted to call it World War B. There was a World War B commission and they brought these people in from media 
and they had an artist in there and it was all the guys that you would think were supposed to be in there, including uh, Lenny and everybody else. And they're like, this is going to be the world war B war. And we got to like memorialize it and all this other stuff. And I was like, Hey, I'm in here, but I'm not, I'm not sanctifying that name. Like that's not a name that's not contested kind of thing. And it was pro God that said like, nobody else calls it anything else. That's the name of the war. Like who could say that? And, and then, uh, yeah, so we went on from there. So it was he was very much in that corner. So to hear him say, oh, the casino war, it was like pretty funny. Progod's one of those guys whose passions burn hot, you know. You're yeah, not going to get a reasoned point of view from Progod. You're going to get what he is feeling right now. I mean, it, it was pretty quick, though, from from the announcement that PL was deploying their super capital fleet south, um, that, that the answer was, and the Imperium is going, you know, <laughs> and the Imperium is going to get in. So, I mean, it was less than a week, I think, right, before the announcement happened. Yeah, I mean, we had heard, you know, maybe three or four days before they went that it was going to happen, right? So, or or some amount of time before. I don't remember the exact timeline, but we had we'd had a little time to discuss it even before it happened. And so we had already had a plan. Um, like, it, we we had a meeting and we're like, what, what will we do if they do move? And so we waited to see... You know, we waited. We watched the move up that weekend, I think, and that's. And you know, once we saw them start moving the actual supers and titans, like, oh, as soon as they hit Tino, it was like go time. All right, they're going south. Let's let's get ready to go north. Yeah, we were we were kind of hoping that it would cause uh, some sort of stir, and we weren't exactly sure how it was going to play out. Um, a lot of people were like, "Oh, if you go south, then the goons will just move everything south, and they'll fight over." Right, that would have uh, been the most boring way to do yeah, it. Yeah, it would have been terrible. Yeah, that would have been horrible. There were a lot of people who wanted to do that. I was I was really opposed to that. Like, and I, I think it worked out well. Obviously, the way we did it, but uh, um, that would have been just the end of fights if that had happened. Because uh, you know, goons and, and test uh, uh, versus just PL and. Um, and skill you and frat like that's a that's not an even fight in any way yeah that was a great decision at the time um you know there were people out there you know i think who who were thinking oh let's just get let's just go and do the old single point in space kind of thing and i'm like oh my god can you imagine how miserable this is gonna be well it's you know it's uh the thing was like i said was saying before at least got here the way it ended up being you know the the numbers for a war were, were especially like a galactic war, uh, were very evenly matched, you know, overall. So um, um, it was in the north, you had pretty much even Supers and Titans, and then the northern forces had more subs than us. And in the south, uh, you had, um, you know, the PL, skill you guys, they had a lot more Supers and Titans, but they had less subs. So uh, the balance was slightly adjusted on each side, but it was, it was for a war this big, the numbers were surprisingly close. Yeah, there's there's like a, a lot of herf blurf that like, oh, the, the goon tappy union is too strong. It's going to just dominate everything. But I was like, yeah, the numbers, like you were saying, aren't that like skewed uh, one way or another. It's weird. I'm, I'm already seeing like some revisionism from the north about how goons just blobbed in the north. And like that was that's why we had such a hard time bringing IHOS was because we just had less subs. Like there was, you know, it was a total role reversal where it used to be like goons had way more subs, but then, you know, you'd have like NCPL drop supers and Titans on us because we couldn't match that escalation. And we were like, man, if we could just break this IHUB, we could drop supers and Titans on them. Right. Like, um, so it was a, it was a weird scenario. I mean, by the time those IHUB, we were trying to break the IHUBs, um, the North, it seemed to us had pretty much decided not to fight uh, more super and Titan fights. Um, so even though the numbers were close, um, 
uh, it, that became less of a concern. Uh, but so we had a hard time, a real hard time breaking those uh, IHOPs because of the sub advantage that they had. So it was definitely, uh, I'm interested to see how like it, it became that we blobbed them or it's becoming that way. And I'll probably try to push back against that. Yeah, a lot of that, um, it just comes from the, the front because I've been in, in that position before where people are just like, you're blobbing me. Um, <laughs> it's, it just feels super helpless when you get a bunch of supers and titans and faxes dropped on you and you can't do anything and you've got to like move around. But being for be, people that have been on the other side of that, shoe, you'd think they'd uh, you know, have, a, have a little bit more uh, empathy for that position because you know, there are lots of challenges when you only have a massive super sub fleet, uh, super fleet or super and Titan fleet. I, well, um, I think you can't I, really move around. It's you've got to hold this one position really, really well. And God forbid they move the fight to another grid. Oh, God. Yeah. I think at least part of the problem is that. So even though someone in like G2G has historically been aligned with what we're calling the North now, they've historically been aligned with NCPL for a number of years. Right. Um, they have never got the feeling that they're they have this invincible force behind them, even though they're aligned with it. To them, it doesn't like they don't have that that mental feeling. So when they say that we got blobbed, that's what they feel because GOTG like they're they're, they're speaking it from their perspective. Like yeah, GOTG was blobbed out, and then um, we couldn't drop supers of titans because uh, you know Vince didn't want to do it anymore, right? So it's a legit feeling. It just it's just not factual from from my perspective. But I understand where they're coming from. And six months ago, they were getting shot by PL2. So, yeah. Also, that's what happens when you uh, tell everybody to trade in their uh, Pinto for a Cadillac, uh, Asher. When, uh, you just get a fleet of Cadillacs? <laughs> you get a fleet of Cadillacs. You get a bunch I, of Titans. I understand. I understand. It was a weird and, scenario where I was like, I wish we had less Titans or um, yeah, less Titans and more Supers. Like, I've never said that before. <laughs> it's, been, it's been 13 years, but Goons finally got a Super Fleet. And yep. they finally got FCs to run it. They, they, a little bit behind the behind everyone, but at least you guys did it in style. Hey, you know, it, it doesn't matter. I want to be the last of the party. That's what I said. That's why I was mad that you came later than me. <laughs> yeah. I showed up five minutes late, and here you're walking in the door 50 minutes late, just showing me up again. <laughs> to be yeah. fair, my 50 minutes late in my head was 10 minutes early. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we got confused on the time. I got confused on the time, so I, I, uh, I expected him early. But we're glad he's here now. So um, back to the story. PL comes down south. Uh, did Test come over to Imperium and say, hey, let's partner up finally. Make me a legitimate alliance. <laughs> Got to put a ring on it. I don't, yeah. I don't remember. I mean, you know, I just, you, 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 I know at least knows this. When you're an FC, like you end up talking to other FCs, you know, just casually like, oh, what happened here? Um Except maybe the ones that you you just really dislike, but but like someone like Billy is not someone who most people dislike. They dislike losing to him, right? But he's not a very dislikable person. He's sort of a vanilla Billy. Um, so you know, I just chat with Billy every now and again, and I, I imagine it came out of that, but I don't remember the exact details of how it came about. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's it seems like it was so. Um, uh, you know, it made so much sense that. Uh, that they ended up uh, just it just it just happened. I can't I can't remember the details. Yeah, yeah, and that's an unfair question. When FC was worried about other things, not um, how what you know who approached who, or maybe you're just trying to hide something. But I don't know why you would. Uh, okay, but anyway, test and Goonswarm do very quickly basically uh, uh, become Imperium Legacy or Imperial Legacy, which Imperial becomes Legacy, a bigger yeah. coalition. 
Yeah, so Imperial Legacy is formed pretty much the day after PL decides to go south. Uh, and you guys really quickly go up north. You mobilize super fast. What was that like? Uh, well, like I said, um, we uh, we were preparing for it before, like it was officially announced that PL was going south. But I, I just I really hated our slow rollouts before, so I was just like, let's let's uh, you know let's go ahead and push it. And so we did, and we got a we had a pretty good deploy. Like all things considered, that we were running around behind the scenes, borrowing a keep star, and just utterly unprepared for it. Um, uh, for this time frame, so we um, we got up north, and I would say our initial deploy was probably sixty percent of the supers and titans we would end up fielding. Um, if if NC and the North had attacked the Keepstar we anchored, um, they could have easily killed it, and they probably would have easily won a uh, any kind of super titan fight on that Keepstar. Um, but because they gave us time to bring up just reinforcement fleets every day, we, we brought up enough numbers that we eventually brought it up to even, um, by the time we were in X47. So, um, I would say that it, it worked, but it did put us at a, at, at a position of risk. And I'm thankful that NC was too much of a, a person who was afraid of things to come and, uh, fight on that Keepstar. Cause had they done so, it would have been really bad for us. Hmm. Uh, who was that person afraid to fight for things? Well, I mean, Vince Strakens is the one who runs was running the Northern campaign. So I, I, I wasn't in the, like their comms when they were making decisions. But I'm just going to give him the credit. You're the leader. You get the credit. So Vince Strakens was the person who was too much afraid of things to come and fight in that Keepstar. Oh, are we are we talking about the six RCQ when that yeah the one we deployed dropped? the one we deployed yeah six yeah, RC. Um, now, I mean, the thing is, like, I understand, like. It's it's a really hard call to make. It's a hard call to make because he he knew that eventually we were going to have to hit his keep stars, and it is such a huge advantage to have tether. It's such a huge advantage. Um, so and he was in his mind. I'm sure he was thinking, hey, um, you know, they're going to they're going to have to fight us on the armor timer where the keep star can't die. So where I always will have tether. Like and so it's such a big advantage. Do I want to give that up? And, and I, so I understand why he made that decision. It turned out to be the wrong one. Maybe he he thought it would be good to have you in the neighborhood, so there would be a bigger fight. Like, I'm not, well, I don't know. I mean, the other the other thing is like um, he was a mid away, you know, a mid and a jump away from us, and so the the same applied to us when we attacked. You know, his Keepstar was that he got to see all of our forces before he showed his, which is a big advantage. Um, so, uh, I I mean, like I said, I, I get it, but um, if he had had attacked, then uh, he would have won. I think. I don't know. I'm pretty sure over the years that Vince Dragon has played EVE Online, there have been many adjectives thrown his way, and Coward is not one of them. Well, I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you, but it's uh, it's like things change because it, it 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 here it was, you know, like he. Well, yeah, that was the case here. I'm not going to sit there and say he was a coward because I don't think we need to say that about you know other people in the game. However, I do want to kind of ask the question. When somebody drops a staging Keepstar at your front door, you've got to be able to do something more than Gila's, right? It sends a terrible message to your guys. Like the way that they handled the morale side of this was bad from the start. And like I was talking about when six and squads were deployed and putting, you know, Astrohoos on the Keepstar, uh, the staging Keepstar. But when we were deployed, um, you know, when it went, when the whole war was going on, we were doing it to their stage of Keepstar when NC was there. And, and there would be days we'd drop an Astro House, we'd anchor it, and it wouldn't get refed for like four days. 
Like, how do you let that happen in your staging system? If there was a keep uh, an astrojuice in my staging system that was unrefed, I would I would flip out. I'd be like, why hasn't the FC just gone out and shot this thing? You know, they're two two mids away or one mid away. Um, so. I mean, uh, I mean, aspect was horribly handled, from, and that was part of it. Like the fact that they let us anchor it with such a token resistance, um, it's it, it's it sent it started the war off on a great foot for us and a terrible messaging for them. I I wouldn't call it a token resistance. Like um, the way that it was messaged to us, and I can't say that this was true for the entire rest of the North, was that they looked at it. Imperial Legacy had more supers and titans, so they were going to do the the feed to win which was done back when the drone regions were being invaded to kill keep stars there, which is you just drop pockets of dreads and you keep losing dreads and subcaps until the keep star eventually dies. But that Imperial legacy had enough subs and enough coordination with those subs to prevent it from happening. So the way it was communicated to us and the way it certainly seems to me still is it was not a token effort. It just wasn't drop supers as a solution. It was feed to win as a solution that just didn't work. I, you know, I, I just look at the six RCQ forward staging Keepstar that, that Imperium dropped up there and the battle that ensued over, over it anchoring. Right. And then you look at what happened down in, I'm going to forget the name of the system down there where, where the big hell ended up. UALX, you know, where it was like, okay, you know, and here is, you know, PL and the gang kind of, you know, jumping in to take down this keepstar and i don't even think that one was as consequential as far as a forward staging keepstar was as what six rcq meant for the potential of ramming it down the north yeah i mean you can't you cannot fault pl like they when they started signing in in ualx i was like wow these guys are really putting it on the table um so that's something where you know they showed they showed real grit um but um as to your point about the messaging in the north, like that might be good messaging to, um, you know, sort of to cover up. But Vince knows the numbers; like he he knew that that wasn't true, so it, he was making a bad decision, even if he, he had a sort of a cover up messaging for it. Um, in the south, when Test went in, and sorry, when uh, PL went in against Test and Legacy, um, insulate yourself and try. I don't want to minimize them. That showed a lot of grit, even though I mean they had better numbers, but uh, putting yourself onto uh, keeps their grid that's not yours and giving your enemy tether is is really really uh um really gutsy yeah in that fight it it was literally just a judgment call in terms of what we had going in and we knew that you guys were coming with your your shield supers but we also knew that you were still a little bit ways away so we figured that we could get uh, a little bit more uh, accomplished before you guys actually made it to the grid and yeah. so I think we killed like two rags or something before you made it to the grid, even though it took you guys something like four or six hours to make it just because uh, there was like this horde interdiction fleet keeping. I think you're, I think you're uh, you confusing our armor fleet with our shield fleet. Our shield fleet was mostly already there. Um, the the ones that were coming in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was our so armor the, fleet uh, that was coming down. Nah, sorry. But yeah, so that, was, yeah, that was basically a race to the bottom. Out. We were just, we were just like, man, if we don't start moving our armor fleet and NC does, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna get killed. So we have to, you know, we have to do it. Um, it was one of those things where, if there was someone I could have called and said, hey, let's just leave both the fleets on the north there, uh, I would have done that because it would have been better for everyone. But you couldn't do that because if you were the one who elected not to, and they did, then you are the idiot. Yeah, for sure, for sure. 
So and that one came out to be pretty much a draw as well, like uh, more or less. And what I thought was pretty, uh, pretty good from the Taffy side is even though they they their side kind of took it on the chin. I mean, obviously their their overall side kind of not quite one because they lost the Keepsar, but they didn't feel too bad. The Imperial Legacy side wasn't bad at all, but I like that they just dropped the Keepstar there again, like the next day or another. Uh, maybe it was a fort the next day, like on the same grid. Well, they, they dropped, dropped, the, they dropped the fort over the Hell Camp, and then they dropped another Keepstar off of that. Yeah. Well, this was right after the 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 Phoebe restrictions on travel had been reduced. Did that make any kind of a difference? Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Yeah, that's because, the only way it was possible. The, during that UALX, when when the ping came out to move the armor fleet from the north and come around the horn, there's no way that could have happened before those before those fatigue changes went into effect. Yeah, yeah Turk's totally right. The the jump changes are like they're just the the light years around the south are just completely awful. Or yeah, the south know, is really or, or, or the call. Or the I was gonna say, or the call for NC Dot to come and support too, because remember they were on the way too. It was like a race. It was a race from that general area around to, you know both sides of Eve. But that's kind of why I disagree with you, Dirk, about how UALX was a strategic. I think I think you know PL and Elise they realized how strategic it was because because they're the. The, you know, it's not like the drone lands where, where everything's on top of each other. The geography matters a lot in the south, and UALX was the crossroads. Um, and uh, up until that point, uh, test had to mid uh, to get to anything PL was doing, and um, and uh, PL like assiduously avoided going anywhere where test didn't have to mid. So they would always be able to see, you know, it, when we put our supers on grid, we have a we have a mid's worth of notice before test gets there. Uh, and that lets, lets us see what they're forming. It gives us, you know, gives us a five minute uh, grace period. And once that's, once they keep star went up and this was the whole reason they dropped it was once they keep star went up, then test could just undock and jump directly onto PL. And that is a scary situation to be in as an FC. Like, you know, it, it's, it's like Schrodinger's uh, Titan fleet. Uh, you know, it's much better once you've actually looked at it. Oh, that's an interesting point. So well, it was crucial. I, I guess I guess I was saying that it was that it wasn't as strategic because that down there, I mean, that was kind of a um, that was an area of operations by choice for them. Like PL was down there yeah. doing their thing. Like it, it wasn't defense of the homeland, whereas the Keepstar that got de- you know deployed to six RCQ was a gateway into their backyard. Oh yeah, and and you know, I think we were making noise at the time, like we'll just drop a bunch of these, but we actually only had one. So if they had killed it, it just shuts down our northern deployment. Like that's it, you know. So you know, GG deployment over. Oh wow! In retrospect, it's very interesting the stakes. But, um, also, it, didn't didn't try intercept test when they were using a midpoint to get some place at one point. Um, I might be imagining that, or or they, uh, yeah, I might be confusing it with when. Uh, the uh, ex death people were getting killed, and uh, or drone region federation people yeah, were getting so killed. It, and I mean, it's yeah, tested, yeah. tested, but um, but didn't. test were, were having they didn't feed as nearly as horribly as, as when ex death got caught out and used the wrong midpoints. Um, yeah. but uh, tests were having a pretty rough time in the south just moving around. Um, because something that PL try and uh, skill yourself, all those people have a very similar play style and it's very good at harassing people as they move around. Right. So as Tess would try to move around, if they had to go one or two mid slots, they would have their fleet picked apart almost every time they were moving. Yep. And that's, for, that's why that keeps our was really important. 
Yeah. Yeah. And for the the longest time, or not the longest time, but for the initial stages of, of that fight, um, we had considered the the prospects that, well, perhaps this entire war is going to turn into who can burn whose allies faster, right? So uh, maybe PL and Stutch in the South just ravaging on test uh, would be the, keep the same pace as um, goons and co uh, just destroying the GOTG guys in the north. Oh yeah, it was definitely a race. It was it was definitely like race to the coast uh, at that point, like to see if if the South uh, could win uh, before uh, the Northern attack could do damage. Like that was that was you know we were kind of discussing that before we got here, how um, you know Philly PGLI, you know we were all talking, and Jay we were talking about how um, what we needed Legacy to do in the South was lose slowly you know, just fight over every inch of ground and give it up slowly. And if you can do that, that gives time to do, do work in the North. And if we start, if we start hitting the North and, and really threatening it, then uh, PL will have to return to defend it. So like, you know, that was the initial plan. Obviously once we started just winning outright, then, you know, things change, but, but that was, that was where we were going from the start. Yeah. Same, same on our side. Like we, we were like, Seriously considering that that would be uh, one of the avenues or one of the main avenues it would have uh, uh, taken. And it's kind of funny because we've been literally in that position before while we were trying to fight AAA like years and years ago. Uh, we were in drone lands just burning their allies and we were seeing how fast uh, the AAA guys would, would be uh, doing their thing. And sadly, AAA won on that one. But it's interesting how after the game changes dramatically and the players change dramatically. A lot of the tactics remain the same. Well, what was the term that was being used back then? I mean, basically it was the uh, uh, base war or something like that, which I think comes from another game that I don't play. Base race? Base race. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's very much a, a base race, which is something that comes from like, uh, like MOBAs and shit like that. But yeah, it is, it's a, it's a fun, like a mental exercise to see. And it, it's actually quite cathartic for both sides. Like I am burning this. I am burning that over there. Like who's winning? Uh, so those wars are always pretty fun for everyone uh, with the exception of the people whose homelands are getting burned. The, the stars, uh, the stars really aligned for this war and that both sides thought they could win. And that's, uh, you know, that's a really vital component of, of having people, uh you know having people commit to a, a, a war and uh and this one both sides thought they could win uh, i so, think so uh, too i think you saw that when pl i think the moment of truth was ualx when pl did go in then then i really thought like oh this is actually going to happen uh because i thought nine tech four wasn't a true sign of what could happen it was more the ualx who was actually going to commit to a fight that could actually be lost but anyway, you were saying at least. Oh, I was saying that's absolutely true. Like the the one knock to, to Eve Online is that the the people involved that run the fleets, uh, the Ashers and the Jays of the world, they're not dumb. Uh, which in other games, like sometimes the people, you know, they, they just want to have fun. They just want to goof around. They don't really think the consequences. But the FCs and the leaders in Eve Online aren't dumb, and they don't want to take like a losing fight. <laughs> like they just don't want to do stuff to lose. Those uh, FCs exist or existed. I mean, that's that's. Yeah, I was talking about sort of how the game evolves and you know evolution like weeds out the people who are, are bad at it and like not playing optimally. And, and you know those people are in FCON or were in FCON, and uh, now they're a junior skirmish FC in in a relevant alliance, but they don't get to do that anymore because they have shown their quality. 
but like the the whole thing of like nobody wants to lose. So in in a, a thing like this, the only time you can get uh, consistent fights and and big slugfests uh, is when both sides just are like, yeah, we could do this. Like this is an easy, not an easy win, but this is like a 50-50 call, maybe 55-45, and they just misgauge uh, the ratios a little bit and think it's on their side, and they go in. That's what's required. Is both sides need to think that they are the fifty-five and the other <laughs> yeah. side the forty-five. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's awesome. At, after UALX and and whatever you want to call it, I mean, I'm, I'm just gonna call it the Hell Camp, you know. But what what really happened down there subsequent to that, as far as as far as not just PL, but but the other super capital people that were involved with that? I mean, was, did that ever become a a thing again? Um, I think. So around that time, um, after that, we got our supers out. Everyone got their supers out. Fraternity, I think, lost two uh, on the way out. Um, but everyone got extracted within four or five days. And uh, Test kind of pulled back a lot of their forces. Uh, I'm, maybe I'm horribly wrong here, but I was there, so I don't think I am. But they pulled back their forces, and they made it clear that they're not going to um, fight over certain things. We burned down like six Fortazars, completely uncontested. Um, and then at that point, we decided, you know what, we it looks like this is just going to be on one front. So we're just going to go um, give our give our guys in the north a little bit more support, give them a little shot in the arm. Maybe that'll uh, change the dynamic a little bit. Right. So moving on, the we move to the uh, uh, you guys come up north and you start having successes. Asher, what happened after UALX? What was the big thing that made you guys realize, you know what, let's let's actually line them up and take them out um uh, keep stars i wouldn't i mean there it, it, it's like now oh goons killed like 10 keep stars or whatever it was right like that wasn't the plan initially the the, the plan was you know, let's go for one and, and let's try and take it down and like um you know so before the x47 armor timer man i cannot tell you how nervous i was because you know i don't think there'd ever been a fight of that size committed to on an enemy keep star like ualx was big but um the relative super fleets were smaller right so um, and there was time time zone i mean sorry the uh, uh yeah what do they call it the timer was going to run out on you guys yeah right it was mm-hmm. it, they, they had time zone tainted to australian time zone so we mm-hmm. had to force the timer um so it was uh you know i, I don't think i slept that night really um and, and it was also it started earlier which is a major concern because if you you know, once we were on that grid, we weren't leaving until downtime if they wanted to hold us there. And it, so it started relatively early EU, whereas the test timer started in a U.S. time zone. So you have just many extra hours to lose if you mess up. So we had to we had to feel pretty confident in our strategy. And um, so when we were discussing using the supers like jump hectors to sort of get around their um, their, uh, you know, tether advantage, which is a huge advantage. Um we, uh, you know, we had known it never been done before. Like that was that was a level of commitment that had never been done in Eve Online, uh, and putting that much stuff right on top of their super fleet, right on top of their Keepstar, right on top of their Titans was really unusual. But it was something that they didn't expect, like we thought, and turned out that was true. And um, it was something that give us would give us an advantage that would sort of nullify their um, the tether advantage. And you saw it. I think we started out losing six Titans to their one. And uh, it continued to pace at that until we were able to pull it back. And I think we ended up being 29, 27 in that one. So yeah. we pulled it out, but we pulled it out at the very end. So 
uh, it was hard fought and I was, I was physically and mentally exhausted afterwards. Um, uh, to Brizzle came on, in, <clears throat> excuse me, in the U S time zone. And he took over calling targets for me. And I was, I was just so grateful because I cannot tell you at that point how I was just, I was just wiped out. Um, uh, so when we made that decision to go for the armor timer, it was just, it was just take it one timer at a time. And once we did the armor timer, we had a plan, uh, like a separate plan for the, the hall timer. And we thought they would anticipate we would do the same strategy again. And we didn't, um, so that worked out uh, well because, uh, you know, Killaby said afterwards that they thought we'd do a similar thing. Uh, and, you know, once that blew up, then it's like, all right, what's our what's our stretch goals here? Where do we go from here? Um, and it turned out that after that fight, you know, in retrospect, they they lost the appetite for for using their Supers and Titans in a decisive engagement. Um, but we still had to be on the the lookout for. Uh, you know, them logging on and, and, you know, it wasn't like we could, we had carte blanche because we didn't know what their attitude was. Uh, it's just in retrospect that you see that. Right. Now, and when you have a, a slight advantage in any type of engagement in EVE Online, be it like a small fight or a big fight, you want to push as much uh, uh, as you could in that, uh, in, in that once you have just a little bit of swagger, you want to just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. Yeah. Just, just wedge that into the crack and try to split it open. Now, one of the other defining things that happened up there, right, was basically you may have this giant super cap steamroller that's sitting there, right? But then, you know, oh, my God, jammed in iHubs, right? So you had to move into a different phase that was, well, if we want to get to these things, we're going to have to go through Aegis Sovereignty to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had to briefly translate what Aegis Sovereignty meant in my head. but. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to be the kinder, nicer, you know, not named devs. <laughs> Better known as Fozzie Sob. Yeah. Um, we, uh, yeah. And then, that, like I was saying, that, that's the point where they had the sub advantage. We couldn't use capitals at all. And uh, it took us a while for it to, you know, it to work. And uh, thank goodness CO2 controlled those, those uh, iHubs because I feel like if NC Dot had, we'd maybe still be going at it right now. Um, it, it, it was one of those things where, you know, I keep talking about the lessons we learned and applying them. And that was a lesson that they thankfully drove home over and over again in the casino war where we, uh, we had too many alliances owning too much space and not a centralized control in command method. And, um, and, and the fact that we learned that lesson and they didn't take it to heart because it, it wasn't just pounded in their head every single time they undocked uh, worked to our advantage this time. I, I wonder if the next time it, it will be the same way or um, or if they will learn you know, from this one. Yeah, I, I'm going to go back to a, a comment that was made out there, which is a comment that is made in general out there. Fozzy, Savage, Sovereignty, whatever you want to call it, is crap, right? But when you look at what was going on up here at this, you know, up in the north at that time, the jamming of systems and the need to use this other mechanic. It's um, don't, well, don't, it, don't try and justify it. No, I'm not trying to justify <laughs> necessarily the mechanic, but I'm sitting there thinking to myself, what might this have been if, if it was easier to just go through? I mean, because again, when we're, when we're in this age of Titans being a primary attack weapon out there, not just a strategic asset, but but really the, the the heavy punch and the I dare you to come at it. That steamroller just would have steamrolled. It would, and and I don't know. I feel I feel as though there almost needs to be something that that kind of offsets that by saying, well, you can either tighten, you know, go by gate, or you've got to go and take out these other things. 
I mean, from a game balance perspective, I see your point. I don't know if it's valid or not. It might be. Um, but I can tell you that I have never had a Fozzie Stuff experience I enjoyed. No, no. It doesn't matter. Winning, losing. Like, every time I'm done with Fozzie Stuff, I go, I don't want to do that again. I hated that. And I, I absolutely agree with you on the on the Fozzie Stuff side of things, other than other than the fact that that is what we have right now. But looking into the future, right, where these, where these things like jammers and whatnot are going to be replaced. Well, I mean, they're going to come out with a new jammer. A, a different... I would say a different game mechanic, okay, a, a different method by which certain things are attacked is not necessarily a bad thing. Otherwise, you just end up with, in a way, what we ended up with with Dominion Sovereignty, which was just jump everything on target, boom, boom, boom. Which I thought was a better way to do it. Like, uh, I, I, I'm not one of those people who's like, we need to spread the fights around. Like, that's... Uh... That that is not a fun way to play Eve, as far as I'm concerned. Like I, I like to see this this giant ball of many fleets rotating around each other in slow motion. Like that's that's a fun way to fight. Now I don't like I don't want every fight to be a tie dye ten percent fest, but um, I think that they are they are uh, they are fun. Um, and you you know the the problem with Fozzie stuff is it doesn't accomplish what it is intended to accomplish. People still get yeah. you know. They just get in that ball and fight in one of those systems, and then the winner gets to, gets to win like two hours of super annoyance while they fly around in uh, claw fleets and shoot your uh, shoot your um, entosis ships. Like that's your winning victory is that you you have to do work. And so um, it used to be if you won, you would just be on the grid and you'd shoot whatever it is the station and flip it. But now you have to just do extra work. It's like getting homework after acing the test. <laughs> so anticlimactic. Going back, uh, I would, I would, I'd push back on that point and say that it is not you have more homework after you've won. It's that there are more opportunities for you to lose. Right? Sure, it, it is the case that in this particular war, in these particular engagements, you would win and then have to do the entosis. But it, in other scenarios, it is very much the case that the fight is over the entosis itself. It's not just claws roaming around. So, so you're saying that your favorite part of hooking up with a beautiful girl is the, the herpes test a week later? I would say, I would say that um, a week later isn't necessarily herpes. Okay, let's get off this topic. <laughs> I was just uh, I wanted to go back to to what uh, Asher was mentioning in regards to uh, like ownership of the 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 soft things, and I think the the big picture here is. The, just the way the two different uh, groups are formed, right? So the people in the north, they don't necessarily consider themselves a coalition, right? It's Guardians of the Galaxy, which is a coalition. Um, it's got CO2, who is trying to rebuild itself, who is just chilling in the north and wanting to fight. And then NCPL. I think between NCPL, if those two got fought, uh, were fighting, the, <laughs> the iHubs would be kind of uh, very well managed. I think if only Guardians of the Galaxy were to get fought or to get attacked, those would be really well uh, managed. But you understand, like, uh, because you've literally been in the position before you were saying it, uh, when you have a, a coalition of, of people who have, haven't really been attacked so much or, you know, haven't really had the need to have a, a centralized iHub type thing, people get a lot of, I don't know, they get a, they have a good feeling they feel like they belong as like a member of the coalition when they can see that little iHub or that little structure belongs with their little flag running in it, you know? So FCON owning a bunch of structures instead of uh, Goonfleet uh, makes it seem like FCON is a relevant member of the, you know, the coalition, you know? <laughs> um, right. I mean, right. It, it, it's, it's like, uh, 
It's like when you give your kid little Spider-Man jammies and he feels he feels like a superhero. Dude, I've got penguin <laughs> pajamas and they're the best things in the world. I, I believe okay. you. I'm just saying you wouldn't want to have them crawl any walls, you know, if, if wearing them. <laughs> or outside yeah, the building. I'm just saying the, the, north, the, the coalition that's in the North isn't really a true coalition. And, and this isn't like revisionist history or, or anything like that. It's literally Guardians of the Galaxy and PLNC and then other dudes who decided to just like, <laughs> when the oncoming storm was coming, they're like, oh shit, let's be friends. Uh, even though we're all loosely friends anyways, because we've got mutual interests in there. I think the thing is that it's not a coalition. It's just a lot of mutually held interests. Yeah, oh, I agree right. with that. I mean, that, that, that was clear, you know, that they, that the command and control structure was, was, uh, was not what you wanted to be. And you've seen people all throughout the North. I mean, I've seen people from all sides of the North saying, Hey, one of the big reasons that we lost was that our, our command structure was really poor and there was infighting. And, and um, maybe what you guys need to do is you need to have like a Roman situation where, you know, you appoint someone dictator for, for the year and then they get to make all the calls and everyone has to agree with them. But can you, could you have gotten CO2 to agree with that? I don't think so. Unless GigX was the one you chose and that'd be really hilarious. Please do that next time. Let's, I'm going to transfer all of the iHubs to GigX and see what happens. Uh, that's such a good idea. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, I think uh, NC that would have to play that role because PL, uh, I don't know, I think after like four months, we'd be like, wow, this sucks. I want to kill our friends and then just reset them. And then, and then things would be uh, catastrophic. We're not, we're not uh, really situated to playing well with others for extended periods of time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you certainly see NC evolving into the more um, modern sort of type alliance. And I mean, I think that's why NC is going to come out of this the best of any of the groups, because they will be the ones who are um, adapted. I, I mean, uh, I'm not trying to show shade, throw shade at you specifically, uh, Elise, but I don't think PL is going to uh, adapt very well. And I don't think PL will survive as a relevant group in two or three years. I think they will be sort of a memory and they'll be like Tuskers. They'll be like dudes who um, you know, have a good reputation, but you aren't like worried, oh, Tuskers showed up to the fight. Like that's not a big concern, and that that's what I think is sort of PL's future is, you know, maybe friends, people who have fun playing, but as a relevant person in the metagame, probably probably no longer uh, relevant. I don't think PL has ever been that relevant in the metagame, with the uh, exception on. of there's come been on, like man. a few times where like PL is because PL in terms of size has been about 500 real players for the last eight years or so. Um, and in terms of when you're talking about these huge coalition fests and these huge mashups of people throwing 500 real people, people as a Delta, I don't think, uh, does too much where we did have a huge advantage was when people didn't have super fleets. Yeah. You know? I mean, you talk about 500 people with 100 Titans, like that's, uh, <laughs> that, that, when we were when we were a super fleet that you could just rent for a few weeks to give your side uh you know that delta of extra supers uh it was a massive advantage right but but in terms of being the the front end of of the spear like peel has never been uh really good at that and i don't think peel would ever be really good but i agree with you that nc is going to come out becoming more of a uh what what people would consider a proper alliance appeal. We made the decision to, instead of grow large, we kind of wanted to, to stay meddling to try out how that would work. I think we're reevaluating a little bit about how we want to be size wise um, or, or what we want to do like objective wise, but I wouldn't go as far to say we're going to be Tuskers next week. But, well, I, w- I wouldn't say uh, next week either. I'm just sort of, I, you know what? Like uh, I, I do have a problem when people like come in with a projection chart and it's like, Oh, we made a, uh, 
we, we increased our profits 150%. And if you extrapolate that every year, 150% growth in, uh, in 20 years, we're going to be bigger than Google. Like, you know, that's such a, yeah. 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 So I, I don't want to be the person who is, who is demise casting you guys just because of like a, a negative Delta, like you said, but, um, I mean, t- to be honest, I have way more fun with Reavers than I do with Main Fleet. It's just because hanging out with 60 people who, and a lot of them who you know pretty well, and you know, like, you know, you have little jokes about them. Like, if I'm in, if I'm in fleet with a thousand people in comms, first off, there's a hundred people who only want to hear a line here, do this, shoot this. Like, they don't want to hear anything else. And if you start talking, they're going to start complaining because you're just, they just, they're trying to watch Netflix at the time, right? And then there's 900 other people who I don't really know very well, and so you can't really have like a, a relationship with them. But with 60 people, it's like you know, it's like a big classroom or something. You know, it's something where you can still have relationship with the people, and it's not unwieldy. So. Um, I don't, I don't begrudge PL at all. I think they're, they're probably putting themselves in a position to have, um, you know, the most amount of fun that they can. So PL knows, uh, like we know what we are, which is kind of, uh, I guess the main thing, right? So other people may not, like, I know, you know, what we are too, but other people may not, may, may, they may think we want to be these big, uh, solve owning, uh, mega coalition leading type dudes. In reality, it's just a bunch of, of people like the, the demographic of PL are veteran players who are bored doing uh, the big fleet fights or bored doing certain things. So they want to be able to, uh, to do more finesse type things, even though we always continually fail at trying to uh, do that type of thing. But, but we keep trying at least. So we want to do these like small finesse type things, these harassment campaigns, essentially what, uh, what ravers do or what uh, like SIGs do would, would be in like a a group like Goon Swarm. You probably do it too well. Like you, uh, you are the parasites that kill the host, kind of thing, or the yeah. So the virus. Uh, PL has always been in really good position when there's an alliance that's uh, just on the fringe of killing itself, and we just give it that little pushover. So I think that's going to be the uh, the role that we continue to play, rather than you know, as Eve evolves to become like a mega group versus mega group. Uh, we I think we're going to not go the mega group direction. But we will still be friends with NC, who have, who have taken up that that mantle of being like a the antithesis to to the goon swarm type thing, you know. I think the only way to have fun in Eve, or the best way to have fun in Eve, is to put yourself in a position to lose. And um, you know, when I deploy Reavers, I don't ever take supers. I mean, I take a Titan to bridge or whatever, but I don't bring a super force. And I think that it's one of those things where if you have the capability to have an I win button. Um, you will never have as much fun as when you force yourself into positions where you have to figure out how to attempt to win in, in, you know, scenarios where, um, you know, scenarios where you, you can lose. And so like when we went to Hackenden and we were greatly outnumbered, that was a lot of fun because we just spent time trying to figure out, you know, um, how could we win against these greater numbers? And it turned out we didn't win, but uh, a lot of, a lot of us, yeah, I mean, that it's cliche, but yes, a lot of people had fun. And if you ask goons that have been around for the last three years or more, you know, what is your favorite time? Saranin will almost always be what they say, because you can undock, get a fight immediately. You were outnumbered. You were fighting in hurricanes. You were trying to take out an is victory against the much superior force. And and they'll go, it won't be like, oh, that time we killed uh, like 20 to 1 Titans or 18 to 1 Titans in the X-47 the whole time. Or like, that's not as common. It's the ability to lose. And I think that's probably uh, at least like what, if I was just giving you unsolicited advice, I would say, you know, leave the supers, leave the Titans, sometimes leave the caps and put yourself in a place where find someone where you can have a, a you know, a chance to lose, but, um, 
uh, you know, that you can work out. And I think that's probably part of the problem for PL is that they have, they have a reputation to keep. Like uh, if someone posts mm-hmm. negatively about me on, on Reddit, I don't care. It's not going to hurt my feelings because I know who I am, but I feel like, I feel like PL and this might be just straight from the outside. And it could be totally wrong. I feel like PL members have some, some sort of like level of expectation of that. They're not going to get that. And I think if you were going to change your alliance in any way, it would be to get rid of that attitude and, and, and get yourself stuck in where you have a shot at losing. I think if, uh, if people cared about what they read on Reddit, I think poor Headliner would just never want to log in again. Yeah, yeah, Headliner is. Poor dude, he does yeah. so much. It just constantly gets shit on. But yeah, so the, the interesting thing about, about Reddit is the minute you fight Test ever, the, the tie on Reddit always goes against you, which is, I think, something yes. That, yes. That, uh, that everyone kind of accepts at this point. That was one of the things, man, when Scion in 2015 said like Reddit isn't a community, I just like, I just face palm. I literally face palm so hard. Like it just reminded me so much of there are no goons. And, um, like when I was, <laughs> I was one of like three goons on Reddit in 2013, I was the voice in the wilderness and it was like every post I would make would get downloaded, but you could tell it was, it was like, it was the future of getting your message out. And, um, Obviously, we've adapted to it now to the point where there are a lot of goons on the Eve Reddit, but um, it took us a long time to get there. And uh, it'll probably change again. It'll probably be, you know, pretty soon I'll have to be posting like hot selfies of me on Snapchat to get my message out. But it's not there yet. I want to say I was I was editor at the time in defense of Scion. The idea that he had was that he was going to make people pick sides. So you would either come to the defense of uh, goons or you would uh, be a critic, and and so he was trying to split that. At least that was the plan I, I understood. After but can't uh, can I choose to hate everyone? Like I feel like this should be an option. <laughs> Maybe but that was. I mean, that yes, I understood. Like the whole viceroy program was a response to rot. Like I said, in 2015, goons were rotten, and we had had a scenario where we didn't have. Uh, we didn't have anyone to fight and we were una- unable or unwilling to leave our home. And at the time I, I had like, no pull. So, you know, if I was running things at the time. I would have, uh, I would have made us do something, but like the idea was, um, or, or at least I would have attempted to get the Mitani to approve it. I don't want to like make it seem like I sent my fingers and there we go. But, um, uh, they were trying to just piss off enough people that they would come and fight us. And to, to, to the credit, it did work, just not in the way we wanted it to work. It did eventually work yeah. really, really well, like a super effective yeah. strategy. It, it just brought 60,000 people to our doorstep. Yeah, it just worked for the other people. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, getting back to this war, the opposite has happened. We've come to uh, a place where you guys risked a lot, Asher did, uh, with not knowing what the results were going to be, and it paid off. And so did you feel at a certain point you started gaining momentum that couldn't be stopped or something like that? Uh, personally, no. I'm, 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 I'm still worried about losing this war <laughs> at this point. Like, yeah. uh, I, I, don't, I don't ever feel good when we win, but I feel awful when we lose. So I'm strongly motivated not to lose. Um, and like once, once we are back in Delve, I'll probably sit back and, and take, you know, take a few minutes to feel, to feel a little self-satisfied. But, um, I think part of being good at, at this is, is 
always considering what could go wrong, not not what could go right. Um, there are people like uh, DBRB and PGL who they only see you know their name in lights and like they they've got oh this is this is how I'm going to win this is how I'm going to destroy this is how I'm going to crush and those people are good for the game but um, it's probably why I wouldn't want DBRB or PGL to be in charge of my super fleet um, but I would want them to be in charge of my my battleship fleet if that makes sense yeah well and, uh, historically that checks out <laughs> yeah that checks with the facts. Um, but you, so, so you basically went through a time where you were Sino jammed out, then came CSM or maybe before that, uh, and something about gig X's wife getting banned. Yeah. Um, well, no, I mean, I think that I, I think the operations to go after the Sino jammers and things like that had already begun, right? I mean, the path was already being set, you know, yeah. the, the ground war was in effect there. Before they had the already CSM. claimed an entire constellation, had they not before the CSM summit? Yeah, like that. That I don't know if that's going to be like a, a talking point. I know I know CO two has been trying to push it, like their members, and, and it's been a talking point for them. Like uh, the GSM got GigX banned, and that's why we lost. But uh, uh, I think the that G- is a after the fact yeah, it's uh, not that work. justification. Okay, well, it just seemed to coincide though. But at that point, you guys really went on a roll. You lined up uh, four or five keep stars at the same time, including the South. Uh, and you guys just took them down one, two, three, after, and that was just a couple. That was a week ago. Yeah, it was a. Um, hey, Dolphins got an interception. It was <laughs> a, uh, a a thing where basically what happened was I, th- I think I think CO2 forgot to online a new Sinojammer on one of their systems when we were fighting over one of the iHubs, and that let us get in. And we then we broke one iHub, and at that point we can access the constellation. And once we can access the constellation, it just it just fell apart for them from there. They you know they couldn't have a single breach in the wall, and once they did, uh, you know we were you know the the barbarians were were through the gates at that point, um, and that's where you uh, you had you know the the, the quick fall of uh, of their Sino Jam protections, and, and you know uh, DW Tacti lost it, then do 6 h lost it, and at that point. Um, once they showed that they weren't willing to commit to, you know, uh, an open Titan super fight, um, that was sort of the end uh, of them uh, seriously protecting it. And it was just them looking for disconnects or, or you know, harassment at that point. Yeah. And so at this point, again, this isn't their core territory, at least for NC, it isn't FPL, it isn't. Right. Uh, and now Horde, it isn't. This is a key territory for, or contested territory, that CO2 had filled in after Horde had left it. And you had Gardens of the Galaxy and Decline uh, that were above this territory. It wasn't quite their territory either. Uh, so they were willing to give it up, it looks like. And you took advantage of that and took out their keep stars and their fortifications in the area. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, killing two staging heap stars. I mean, those are really important, and you know, they're they're even more of a trophy than a, a regular keep star. Um, so that was a real feather in our cap. But yeah, if uh, if I'm NC and I don't really like CO2 and I don't really care for GOTG, I, I wouldn't want to commit my super fleet uh, after we'd already demonstrated that we could beat it. Like, there's very little, and it's better to just let like if you think you could put up a really strong defense at the gates of tribute and have goons go through Declan instead and burn themselves out there. Like that is a hundred percent better for you. That is the right decision to make. Um, so, 
uh, it made sense from their perspective to to pull back on on the commitment to the Titan fight, and that's why you saw Sort. Like I know NC's going to spend this against Sort. Like he betrayed us or whatever by making a deal. That's why you saw Sort make a deal. He's like, well, these guys aren't going to defend me. I need to do something for my people, and, and that's where the breakdown of of, of identity uh, not being tied into one group came in and, and 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 tore them apart. Very interesting. We'll get right into that in just a second. First, this uh, break. No, just kidding. Uh, <laughs> First, a word from our sponsor. Who's our sponsor? <laughs> Dollar Shave Club. <laughs> yeah. Kirkland. So I wanted, to, I wanted to bring up a vivid example of what you don't do. Because um, NC was, was uh, we were using, I think it was GOTG's midpoint, uh, Keepstar, Keepstar as a midpoint. And I needed a skill book. So I brought an expensive skill book up with like an injector or two. And uh, it, was in a, it was in a Sino alt, basically. Uh, and I said, hey, don't kill this Sino alt. It's me, uh, Matterall, whatever. Sure enough, my Sino gets uh, targeted and killed by GOTG guy. And I'm like, stop, 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 stop. I totally killed it. Really and then matter all I know Vince Draken. Yeah, I was like, I'm a friend of Vince's. No. But, but yeah, exactly. It wasn't that it was me, but it was that I'm on your team. Don't kill this. Oh, now the only thing moving around in this system is us. Like we're the only ones there. Right. Uh, and a lot of times people are moving supplies in neutral alts because this was a neutral alt, which was a thing. And it's one of those technicalities like, not blue, going to kill it kind of thing. But I just thought like, wow, that really, really is a mistake. Because now I don't feel like showing up and helping save your ass. So every little thing seems to count when you're getting these big things. And also petty guys like me uh, tend to do things like that. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's, uh, you have um, you have bad blood. Um, you have less grace, right? Like, if uh, if a guy who's hard blue to me, like TNT or Nit or Bastion or whoever, if they shoot my neutral ult, I'm probably not going to be as mad. But when you don't have those same level of connection to them, you, it's easier to set you off, right? Like it's, you're like, oh, these dudes are others. They're not us, and their intentions are bad. And like, uh, that's just the way humans work. We're tribal, and so the further away from your tribe they are, the less the less grace you're going to give them. Right. So here we are. GOTG basically says, "Oops, we might be next." What are we going to do? And what happens? Well, they paid us a lot of money to go away. I mean, uh, it turned out we were going to do that anyway, but um, they didn't know that. And so I think it was the right decision for them. But now some um, of your guys are mad at you for taking it, for making a deal that stops your own progression. Uh, and it seemed like you guys took that seriously because you had a fireside chat with all your uh, alliance mates and basically said, look, guys, we didn't message this right because it got out from under us, but this is a good deal for us and this is why we were going to stop anyway. But the a lot messaging of them was like, really bad. We didn't yeah. explain it well. We like, uh, uh, Aerith made the messaging and like, you know, if you want a smug post, he's the guy to go to, but to, to explain things well, uh, probably not the way to do it. So we, we didn't do a good job there. Um, and uh, so we just, we had people who thought that we had agreed to leave the North alone for six months entirely. Like, oh, we couldn't attack Horde, we couldn't attack NC Dot, we couldn't attack Mercenary Coalition, whoever, we couldn't attack DL. They thought all that was true. And so we just had to get out there and say, hey, that, that's not the case. We only agreed to leave GOTG alone for six months. That, you know, it was never our plan to continue into Declan and attack them. And I, I understand why they're mad because they wanted to keep going. But like, when you're managing a campaign like this, you have to consider the support people. Like if you're, if you're the guy who shows up for the fleet, once it's already been prepared, all the signers have been done, every, all, everything's been fueled. Like that's all done for you. You show up, you, you, you jump, you press F1, you have a good time. I understand why you want to go on, but you have to consider the people who make all that happen. They put a lot of work in before and after the fleets. And there's only, you know, there's only so much uh, you can ask of them. 
um, before you're asking too much of them. Um, especially for space, we're not going to keep like we killed ten keep stars. You know, we could have gone on more and fought an Australian time zone for another three or four months, but that's not a good way to. Um, you know, that's not a good thing to ask for your guys. It's it's much better to say, hey, we'll take a break now. Uh, you go back. You know, if you want to if you want to crab, you can do that. If you want to play other games, you can do that. If you want to you know, talk to your wife for the first time in two months, you can do that. But, <laughs> take a um, shower. Well, I mean, yeah, exactly. I, I, I mean, let me ask you. I mean, what, did sort pay for something that we really weren't going to follow through with? One hundred percent. Yeah, we were we were out of there. Like, I see, was, that's what I said before before the show today. We're sitting there going, man, I don't know. I I, I feel as though that you know. Vegas is coming up and, you know, I don't feel that we were going to go grind deck. On, I don't feel like we were going to go and commit to another two, two to three month excursion. I mean, to be grinding. fair, to be fair, we, if, if we had, it, there was a chance we could have stayed in and hit like CCP and eight S two eight and killed those keep stars. Like that was, that wasn't something like that, that might've happened, but it probably wouldn't have. But the thing is just because, you know, in retrospect, we were going to leave, it doesn't make it the wrong choice for him. Like, I think he made the right choice with the information he had, he didn't know. And like, he was risking his whole alliance essentially on the fact that we would leave for e Vegas, right? That's a pretty risky gamble. Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the big point there, right? Like you guys may well have just said, yo, I wanted to leave, but two or three systems that you hit of his, uh, which you guys are fully capable of doing. And he risks his entire alliance crumbling and like people going over and, and joining other alliances or just saying, you know what? We've been taking this shit for too long. I'm out. Like I'm going <laughs> to, going to do something. So like, there's a tremendous risk there for him uh, that he weighed of. At least uh, if you were in his shoes, would you have made a similar decision? What would you have done? I don't know. Generally, I tend to make those type of agreements before the fight starts, <laughs> but uh, like with, uh, Back in the day in, in BTEC R, which is you know kind of a while ago, like we had a deal with goons that had existed for two months before about not hitting uh, certain areas of space, right? So we were making both of us were making like huge amounts of money. In, in terms of sorts position, ideally I'd never be in that position, but I mean I don't fault him at all. Like I don't think he made the wrong decision, even if uh, there's like a huge chance of of you guys just leaving after after one area falls. Well, and, you know, and forget the idea of committing to a further grind up there to actually burn down the region, right? The other thing that this did do was it also removed the economic, you know, oppression kind of op that was going on up there from, I forget what the name of, you know, the Imperium Cloaky Camper group was, but... It's called all, Asher and the Boys. <laughs> Asher and the Boys. That the, That's all been removed as well. So, I mean, he, you know... He, if nothing else, he bought himself six months of breathing room in order to regroup without having to, I don't know, relocate and regroup. I don't think people realize how much of an effect that had in their alliance. You can look at the MER and like see they were, you know, they, they went from having like three billion or sorry, three trillion a month in mining to like 200 billion. Like it's a huge difference. And, and, and that's over a period of many months. So, um, you know, you can't you can't uh, you know calculate how much it is worth for him to be able to rebuild. Like if we had just stayed there, even if we left, we left the SIGs there, and they couldn't mine and rat to rebuild, they would he he, he would have never recovered. So um, I think you know a good a good deal is one where everyone feels like oh I got to you know I, I I didn't get exactly what I wanted, and and their guys are really upset at, at giving away all this stuff. But, um, you know, some of our guys are like, man, we could have we could have killed more. We should have kept going. So I think that that probably indicates that everyone got something out of it. Yeah, but they're not pulling the in same. A month, you are. In a month, there's other regions up there that are open. So, I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In, Target, in it, I, initiative. Just hold off. You got. You only got a month. You can go up to MHACO if you want. Targets to be determined. Um, yeah, I mean, initiative. Uh, you know, they're they didn't like the deal, right? Yeah, no, they did. they're much more in the vein of um, of you know continual fighting, and um, but I mean here's 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 what I think is going to happen is that we're just you know they're going to take the time uh, to get you know um, reset their stuff and then they'll come back with us and, and hit us uh, hit something again a month from now. So I think it'll be it'll be in the long run fine. Um, I think once again that was sort of a messaging thing where where we didn't handle talking to everyone we should have in the way we should have because we we went too quickly with that. All right. All right, so you guys are still in the north. You haven't moved out yet. A, de- a deal has been signed. Also, there was a deal in the south, I guess. Uh, but PL, you weren't in the south. Uh, sorry, at least you weren't in the south anymore, are you? Uh, no, not so much. We we have a few assets in the in a few staging areas, staging caches all over the place. Um, some are in the south, but as an entity, right now we're we're fully in the north. Right, and so you've been gone for a little while, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think it's it's been it feels like eight weeks ish. Yeah, and so that uh, kind of came to an end too with some uh, uh, with a deal that was made down there as well. But this kind of begs the question: uh, you got to take a bit of a break, no doubt, uh, Asher. After you maybe withdraw from the north, um, this kind of begs the question: is Horde next? Because you went after this area to harass it, to, to hobble its economic uh, ability to, to, you know, to raise an army and to fund it and all that. Uh, and it looks like if, if you're not going to attack the North any further, are you going to move over to tribute or make preparations for it? Those are all great questions. And someday they will be answered, but not yes. today. <laughs> Time will tell. Time will tell. Okay. Uh, but anyway, well, what were the what were, what were the details of the of the armistice agreement uh, down in the south? They have not been given. Oh. Um, yeah, the um, basically it's a, it's a, almost a, very similar to what's happened in the north as far as the terms. Six months, um, no cookie camping of each other's space, and um, um, frat or winterco paid a. A uh, large isk indemnity. So we don't know what the number is, um, but I mean, I would assume somewhere between 500 billion and a trillion is what they paid. And um, so, and, and but the terms are actually almost exactly identical to what is in the north. I wonder if they, if the legacy guys use that as a sort of saying, "Hey, this just happened, so this is a good one to agree to." You just um, dusted off the contract. Yeah, so, they just crossed out a couple of things to replace <laughs> Aaron sent the boilerplate over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you've seen the Eve Reddit. It's all it's all people setting cease and desist now. So we're basically yeah. lawyer Reddit now. Um, uh, so what you just implied there, Asher, is that these two peace settlements were not made in coordination. Like no, we didn't, we didn't legacy know about was it not coordinating happened. with. Okay. No, I, I found out about it from from Reddit or from a ping or something. Well, I I think that pretty much. Um, brings the war the hot war to an end uh, i think but but we look at this more of as a as a campaign because we couldn't figure out like how to reference it we still don't which is very interesting because nobody's pushed that title and i think you made a reference asher to that earlier if you're winning the fights you're not worried about the title. yeah yeah but these do feel like campaigns uh that turned into a full war we referred to it as a war other people leadership referred to it as a war but uh, i think in the grand scheme right Again, when you take the two pieces together and kind of how they evolved, you do have a war that occurred there. Um, 
but again, you know, I think that the northern, the Imperium aspect of it, right, was a campaign within this larger war. That's all. You know, yeah, but the right. question is, but the question is, how do you wrap it together into something that will be well? This happened at this time. Uh, what you know, what defines know. this war was not like the 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 land that changed hands, like because this wasn't a war for territory. It was the fights that happened, um, the shifts in the meta, and the shifts in perception. Like those are going to be what people remember from this war, not that like someone took over, you know, fade or pureblind. I mean, there there were some defining features I think about this one. I I put this in the category of the the uh, the first real war of the Citadel era, as well as Titans being the front line. Um, those were those were two things that I that I think were definable or, or you know helped define this. Like you know you, you can go back a bit. I'm not saying Citadels weren't attacked and things like that, but you know but. You know, here is where you know the grinding of keep stars and the grinding of other structures in, you know, within the Citadel era. Um, I think was at its largest. I think it's the, uh, the first large scale war where both sides felt comfortable to use supers and titans. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm um, I, I'm hopeful that we see more wars like this, but I'm concerned. Like it's going to take people who are going to be willing to commit to giving their their enemy uh, a big advantage. If, if that tether bug with doomsday didn't exist, it would be much less of an advantage. But as it, I mean, it's still an advantage. But as it is right now, that tether bug is brutal. It is really, really too strong. And I hope CCP fixes it because I don't I don't see that happening again. Um, if, if it if it just stays where you can doomsday and tether up in one minute uh, of real of game time, that's a uh, that's a uh, pretty scary. I'm pretty sure the North, at least in NC circles, it was like this game. We can't fight these battles that we want to fight. At least this comes from uh, Killabee Lead FC there. Um, and so we're not really going to participate in this. And and there was a lot of withdrawing for that. You know, there might have been other things. You guys definitely uh, on the other side, Asher, had strategic uh, plays that outwitted the North. But overall, one of the big shadows over all this was that the, the servers weren't consistent enough to really have these fights effectively. I felt the servers performed pretty well overall, uh, especially compared to Nine Tech Four. I mean, it, if you have if you have like four thousand people in a system, especially with a bunch of carriers and super seven fighters out, um, I don't know what you're you're meant to expect, right? Like um, that's well, um, that said, it did perform better than Nine Tech Four, where people were knocked off and stayed off. At least yeah. in in uh, X forty seven, you could. I got knocked off like five times, but every time I was able to come back and actually save my Titan. Same, but um, I, I didn't really have a huge problem with the server performance, and and uh, I do think it's a bit of revisionist history. I mean, like it's you know you lose. What, do you, do you remember the 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 final count for Titans and the X four seven hall timer was it eighteen to one? Like you lose that, and you start looking for other things to say. Like, hey, this is the reason we quit, not the fact that we lost really hard. Yeah, I think it was like eighteen or nineteen to two. Uh, I think. No, you thought it was two, but it was one. It was just one. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of ghosts and stuff in that one. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I thought it got up to twenty-four to one or two. Yeah, we we killed. Yeah, we killed over twenty, but it was like I saw, I saw twenty flash red and disappear. But some of those yeah. never came up, and then apparently a couple of them, you know, when they logged in the next day, the Titans that we had killed were there. So, uh, you know, it's just it's just that ghosting. But anyway, it was either by any measure, it was a giant victory, and so. At that point, you know, yeah. you, you don't you don't 
you don't mention like, you know, you don't say to your guys, we're not going to fight because we lost and, you know, we're, we're afraid to lose again. Like that's a terrible messaging. You say, Oh, the servers suck. We can't do this. Or, or CO2 sucks. And they just aren't really willing to fight for it anymore. Like you, yeah, everyone does this. Everyone it, does this. We it could have been masking, masking. Like we don't really want to lose. So that, yeah, I could have been masking it saying the servers aren't fun, making it fun. But uh, that is one of the moral, one of the moral hits came after X 47. It was like, this is no fun. It might have been losing is no fun, but it also might have been this just the the frustration of not being able to fight well. I think uh, part of it is, I mean, so here's the thing about server performance: it affects both sides equally, more or less, right? Like, uh, it's not a an advantage, more or less, to to one side over the other. Yeah. But it does feel frustrating when you've been sitting at your computer for like ten hours, and you're like, man, this sucks. <laughs> Not yeah. only do you end up losing, like whatever, how many uh, Titans to one, or you lose a strategic objective. You're like, man, this this entire time it sucked. I felt like I couldn't do anything. Ugh, damn, I hate this game. And you like kick the cat or something. Of my, spoiler alert: Don't kick the cat, please. <laughs> of the two Titans I was running in the X Four Seven Hall Timer, so say we killed around eighteen. Uh, of the two Titans, one of them got on three Titan kill mails, and one got on two. Like that's how much I was actually shooting. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, so it affects everyone, but um, um, and it does introduce an element of randomness. But I, I didn't find it. I didn't find it to be oppressive. Um, it's like a, it's salt in the wound to the side that loses, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's like the Fozzie stuff thing. Like you won, and now here's your here's your helping of work. And like, yeah, if you lose, you don't have anything. Like, well, we stomped them. You just have like, well, we lost, and it wasn't fun because I had to log in thirty eight times, right? Yeah. <laughs> It's a, it is quite miserable uh, to, I mean, I, I would go one step further and I think this is, this probably explains uh, PL's uh, area in the, or relevance in the current meta right now. Even winning those, those 10 hour long slug fests is kind of unfun. Like I have very little enjoyment winning something that takes that long. Uh, even that's, even by like, unless it's like a total stomp where I get to like huge smug post. But if I hit like, I don't know, like five more Titans killed and lost or something like that in the strategic strategic objective. And knowing I have to keep doing that, it feels kind of after a while, you're like, man, I, I don't want to, I don't want to do this anymore, please. Yeah. Um, at that point though, like if you're not enjoying it, is, is, is it, and I, I'm not saying you haven't done this cause I think you have, but is, is it time to let other people like take over the reins? If you don't I mean, I haven't been a, a campaign commander for like yeah, two years. So. No, you haven't. Like, I mean, you're, you're just more like a guy who watches and maybe gives advice, right? Like that'd be a, a better. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Uh, I mean, PL is is a monster all by itself, and it takes on a different identity based on who's who's the most active. But personally, like where I'm standing, like I wouldn't want to. Like I wouldn't be leading this campaign, and there's a reason I, I I'm not. Like obviously, there's. Did a you come up with the? Uh... Did you come up with the chaos trident? Was that an invention that you you, you thought of? That is that is not my uh, strategy, but I don't think it's a terrible thing. I think it just got memed on a little bit too hard. Uh, it, you know, like part of being like an FC is that people give you credit for things that you didn't do, um, and they also they also blame you for things that were out of your control, and you have to be willing to to sort of accept both of the sides of those. Like. Um, it, you know, it, it wasn't like solely your brilliant maneuvers that won the fight. Um, there were there were you know between fifty and a thousand other people who were involved in that, and it also wasn't you know the reason that you lost the fight. But you're gonna get you're gonna get credit and blame for both. 
Man, I remember when I was I was like just starting the FC and I did something. It wasn't even my fault, right? Like someone the the dude in my fleet gave me a ping that wasn't the ping that I wanted, so I warped the fleet there. Got everyone horribly bombed. Shadu reamed me out for eight months about this <laughs> stupid mistake. I'm like, it wasn't even mine. He's like, it doesn't matter. It's your fault. You did it, and it kind of just Fuck feels like that. Saying. Yeah, like it's just on the bigger stage when you start uh, like leading alliance or leading a campaign type thing. By the way, yeah. we, you know how different groups have different nomenclatures? I always find that ping one confusing because to me, a ping is a message on Chapper and a, yeah. purchase, a purchase something you warp to. Yeah, the, <laughs> so, the lexicon, the, the slight differences. Like we all have more or less the same thing, but the slight differences are really funny. Yeah, and so I'm like, he sent a message and got you the wrong fleet and started to interpret it. And they're like, oh, I got it now. Perch. <laughs> But yeah, he he literally just yelled at me for for doing something stupid, not for losing. Like he just wanted me to ream me out for making a mistake. Did you make the same mistake again? I've never been bombed before. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. See, it worked. All right, guys, we could go on forever about this. We have two great guests that can tell you so much about Eve Online and strategies and stuff like that. But we're going to have to call it quits after a couple hours. There is one last thing that we need to talk about since we have PL Rep here, uh, and Elise is the. Uh, overall leader of Pandemic Legion. You recently had a robbery that was pretty large in scale. Uh, I don't know if you're comfortable talking about it, but what is it like on the PL side of things for this specific robbery? I think uh, the only people that are really bummed are the Alliance Tournament pilots because uh, a lot of, I mean, those ships are that were, were heisted were just literally from the Alliance Tournament cash. Um, you say what actually happened uh, first. Do you want to characterize it or should I? All right. So um, essentially what happened is uh, Blue Melon, who has been on and off in PL since like 2013, um, he co-led the Alliance Hornet team two years ago. Last year he led it um, with Hydra Reloaded. And then this year he wanted to, uh, to kind of get gold because that's the one thing he's never been able to do as a tournament captain. And we're like, yeah, sure. Uh, you, you, can, you can lead the Alliance Hornet team. Or at least co-lead it with a guy named Lucas Kwan. And by get gold, you mean he's never won the tournament? Yeah, he's never gotten a gold medal in the Alliance tournament uh, as a uh, as a captain. So that's like that was on his Eve bucket list. So I was like, yeah, I'll I'll enable that. We had a pretty good history with him uh, before, so we're like, yeah, sure, we, we can we can do that. And so he co-led the the Alliance tournament team with Lucas Kwan. Um, part of the the preparation for the Alliance tournament is like preparing all the ships. Uh, and different doctrines that you might need because you have to make a snap decision like two minutes, I'm going to fly this ship. Let me hand out all the ships. And um, so for that, we had given him, I think it was 16 different Alliance tournament ships um, to prepare. There's uh, like an Atana, three Rabisus, uh, some Adrestias, a lot of um, uh, Vandals and, and Chameleons, which were like really popular in that Alliance tournament. And more. <laughs> yeah, thank God. But um, so Lucas Kwan was unavailable for that week. And so Blue Melon had those ships in his hangars to kind of uh, be able to uh, fly those doctrines on the fly, depending on how far we went in the Alliance tournament. And we got knocked out because uh, our Alliance tournament team, uh, you know, wasn't wasn't up to the expectations that we set for ourselves, but you know, it's, it's really hard to, to compete in Alliance tournaments and you can make, you can easily just make a snap decision on yourself and second guess yourself and, and get sucked uh, into this little hole. But anyways, our Alliance tournament team didn't win. 
that match we got knocked out and in his hangar were a bunch of ships and he was super bummed as well as the alliance the entire alliance tournament team they were all super bummed right so he didn't want to log into eve online didn't want to think about eve online uh i think he's like a brain surgeon or something or a brain surgeon to be so he does a lot of uh schooling so he's like i'm not gonna log in and then <laughs> last week, uh, he was going to like log in to transfer the ships back to the, uh, to the Alliance Tournament cash, which is held on one guy's account who used to play with PL a long time ago. Um, his name is Curl. Uh, he's essentially our, our grandfather. He's the closest thing we have to like an original uh, PL lifer in there. And he's the one that just holds the Alliance Tournament cash because he's the, the only person we deem to be trustworthy enough. So he's going to transfer it back to uh, that guy. And then I guess he just made a post about how he was taking it. <laughs> just wrote the post. Is that how you found out? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, uh, someone pinged me the post. I was like, whoa. Didn't see that one coming. Like, here's the thing about, like, a heist. Like, it's not like uh, he went into some little, he found some little nook and took some things. If you give me a time machine, I will trust him with those ships again. Like, <laughs> that's how, like, strongly he sold uh, his level of trust. Uh, the schadenfreude amongst goons when they read about that was just off the charts. It was really, it was really something else. Like it, PL losing AT ships is is like, it, it, it's it's like the uh, the Naz Al Ghul wet dream fantasy that was written out in yeah. real life. Yeah. It's I mean, someone's uh, fan fiction coming to life. It really I mean, was. Two, two, two things related to that, though. Uh, one, uh, the other night in Open Comms when we were talking about this, uh, Sword Dragon kind of said that this actually did hit kind of the rank and file, um, but never really said how, you know, so if you can talk to that, whether, whether it did or not, but then also um, what does this do to, I mean, does PL's Alliance tournament team come into the Alliance tournament next year, flying everyday man ships? I mean, uh, some of those things represent duplicates that we had, obviously um, by virtue of winning five Alliance tournaments or was it six Alliance tournaments? You do have quite a, a large cache of ships. Did you guys so, ever win the Atanas? Uh, no, we did not win the Atanas. Uh, those are so rare. Like that's going to be tough. So uh, Starfleet Commander's team won the Atanas. So uh, if you ever need a, an Atana, you have to hit up Starfleet Commander. I've heard that um, um, Summer Blink had like twenty of them. I like that they're just and those all got vaped. Like and there are not a lot of Atanas left. There, so that and Cambions are ships that Summer Blink had like invested in, and uh, yeah, there's there's not too many of those le- uh, left anymore. Wow! But as far as far as how this affects PL rank and file, or PL the corporations in the alliance, or PL's ability to be PL in the regular part of the game, anything with that? Um, I mean, it does have some sort of effect. If we were to lose a massive, massive fight. And we would need a quick injection of liquid cash. A lot of times what we would do is we'd sell off one or two of those ships and use that to, to do that for uh, that, to fund that sort of reimbursement. We don't have that much. Yeah. We don't have that much in terms of uh, liquid isk stored. We invest basically every dime that we get into some sort of project or program or something like that. And likewise, if there's a, a wonky program that we want to start, um, then we kind of sign, sometimes sell one or two of those ships uh, when the when the time arises. But in terms of like everyday income, it's not like oh geez, PL isn't going to be able to refund your your isotopes anymore because we used to sell one of these off a month. Not not quite, but the the people that does hit really hard is the Alliance Hornet players because this is like this is their thing. This is what 
kind of keeps them with a huge competitive advantage, something they've earned over years. And the thing that shocked me is like Blue played with these Alliance Hornet dudes for fucking for like eight months over the last three years. At least I, uh, I want to uh, fly and lose a whip tail. You guys need to fund me uh, a tightness RP. Let me know. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, I don't know if we have any whip tails. I'm sure we have like one or two, but so the, we never like sell a ship if we have under five of them. Right. So, uh, the Rabisu and so fiends were totally fine. Like he could seal a bunch of fiends. I don't care. But, uh, when it comes to like Rabisus and Atanas, like that really fucks the team over. And the thing that shocked me, um, about the whole thing, obviously the, the, the whole theft of it all was pretty shocking. But the other part was just like knowing that it's only fucking over the Alliance Hornet guys that he like bled and, uh, and played with for, for months on end. So at least is the story yeah. about the Titan thing true. Like, is, or did he make that up? No, 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 that's totally true. So, uh, though, I, I guess it kind of makes me look like a dick a little bit. So here's what happened. Uh, in like 2011, uh, we have a bunch of, we're like, we're pretty, a lot of people want to join PL, right? Uh, that's, that's kind of how it works. And there is a little bit of like the, the meme of, of that era is like recruitment scamming, something that goons used to do. Uh, it's something that a lot of people used to do and they still do it. And then they still do it. Like, uh, the, the whole thing back in the day was, uh, yo, give me all of your stuff in Jita and I'll take it to where we're staging. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, and the person doing this is just John Q puppy in your Alliance. It's not like a director or something. So at some level, there's a guy in PL named Centra Spike who, I don't know how he finds these people. Cause at this point, Blue Melon wasn't like a, a well-known name. So he found Blue Melon who wanted to join PL and I guess they were just flying around in the same area. And so he goes to Central Spike. He's like, yo, I want to join PL. And so Central Spike says, yo, okay, um, here's how it's going to work. If you go on the forums, it says you have to make an application. But because I'm a trusted member of the Pandemic Legion uh, uh, and Habitual Youth in Asia family, I can, I can fast track your application. Here's what you have to do. You have to come to our uh, system in Aristald, which, uh, and you're going to go to a tower that's 130 AU from the station. So just to set the stage for people that don't know, back in the day, to apply to a corporation, um, you couldn't do it in space. You couldn't just click and hit apply to join. You would have to go to where they had a corporate office to, uh, to join. Um, so Aristald was one of the systems that we had a corporate office in. So... Um, because they had a tech one there at the time. So he told Blue Melon, Blue Melon, don't post about it this anywhere or anything, but you can come to Aristald, you can get in our tower, I'll give you the password, and then you can leave your Erebus and go to the station, put the application in, and then come back and get in your Erebus. And so he he comes in, he like checks to make sure the password works, and he's very cautious, and so he apparently, this is what I get from Centra, because I wasn't involved in this, um, he waits. He waits until local is completely empty and it's like a weird time of night. And so he goes into the tower, ejects from his Erebus and warps to the station, which is 120 AU away. And you guys know how slow pods warp. And he puts the application in, which sends a ping to the entire corp saying so-and-so has applied. And so then this guy sees that, logs in and gets in the Erebus because he's logged off right next to somewhere at the tower. All in the time it takes Blue Melon to warp 120 AU in his pod. 
And then the, uh, so I guess the, the section where he goes, like, he go, comes to me and I say, yo, who even are you? I literally have never heard of the name Blue Melon. He's like, hey, can I get my Arabis back? And I'm like, I, I don't know who you are. Like, I'm sorry. Like, did, uh, did you I, know all this when you gave him the AT ships? Or was this like a surprise that le- later on you found out that? No, no, no. I knew this uh, full well. So, <laughs> so he, Elise, come on, buddy. Why? He, he relater joined PL. Yeah, uh, in the Corp uh, Bope. Uh, it's Faefer's Corp. Uh, Tropa de Elite, right? So he joined PL legitimately by joining Tropa de Elite. And Faefer, who is the CEO of that Corp, is like, hey, this guy, Blue Melon, he's, he's been really useful. And it's true. He's, he had been t- super useful. He had been like doing stuff in fleets. He'd been like really just going all out. And he was like, he's really been useful. But he's he's kind of like his ego is still a little bit bruised. You guys stole this Titan. And so I was like, yeah, that was two years ago. It was pretty dumb. I, I heard about it from Central Spike because he wouldn't shut up about it. Um, I'll send him 85 bill to reimburse the Titan. And so I sent it to either Bo- uh, to Pfeiffer or because Pfeiffer wanted credit for it um, or someone in, in Bulb. And so he got his Titan reimbursed in terms of this two years later. Okay, I see. I mean that 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 makes more sense. That that why you why you trusted him. I mean, he's a super loyal dude. Like, uh, you're talking about a guy who loaned us his uh, state Raven issue, like a trillion disc ship. Oh, was uh, that his? Yeah, that that's that's blues. How does he? Uh, do you know how he funds this stuff? Like, how do you how do you get that much disc? I have no idea. He's a brain surgeon. Oh, I'm just kidding. Um, but it's funny because I think Blue Melon was the guy that, uh, when you guys were attacking Brave, uh, he's the guy that tricked Lenny Kravitz, too, into paying him a bunch of money to protect uh, uh, Lenny's... Um, he had a bunch of capitals in this forward operating base that you guys were assaulting. Uh, and he said, well, you know, if you pay me, we won't uh, destroy those or something like that. And Unfortunately, that was someone else. That it was wasn't Blue uh, Melon. That was Blue Magier. Oh, you're right. Okay, my bad. He, he literally typed that in local, and then Lenny sent him a bunch of money, and he was like, "Um, what do I do with this, guys?" Like, <laughs> he's really just shit posting. I think I just like scammed someone. Bill. Rain says he's a heart surgeon, which I think means that he he's just like going to a singles meeting. That's why he's play, he plays Eve. He's trying to meet potential clients. <laughs> yeah. All the heart so maybe that's that's the meme. He's trying to force me into like a, a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for explaining that. Uh, appreciate. Um, and uh, that's we're going to have actually an interview with Blue uh, later this week. Maybe some of the guys from Almamaki Police, which are his, uh, and to them uh, as and so they can review what happened on their side. Sorry to hear about that. At least that must be a blow, at least to morale for some of your guys. It feels bad. Uh, it feels bad, but you know, it's uh, ultimately it was my fault. So we'll, we'll yeah. I'll, I'll somehow make it right. That's one of those things where it's going to be like it, it, it's a it's a real punch in the gut, but it's not going to change your your destiny at all, right? Like that's just it's just something that feels feels bad, but it's not going to you know change the path of PL. I'm not going to say that it's like it has no effect whatsoever, and that we can easily replace it. And we have like way more. Like, yeah, we do have way more, but who cares? Like, that's still a huge feels bad man right there. Uh, but you know, I, I think we'll be in in a while. Like, we'll be fine. We'll, we'll come out of it somehow. At least I think I think the GSM has got the fiend nerf twice now. Like they 
they nerfed the Hector point, and then they're changing Hector so that the coolest thing about the Fiend uh, applies to all Hectors, and that you could you could you know fly around with your bubble up and not have a have a uh, you know disruption to your mass. Hmm. Yeah, so you just have to keep nerfing all the AT ships. So go, yeah. go for it. I'll sign like a, a sword dragon type deal for it. Yeah. <laughs> all right. By the way, Asher, you keep calling it GSM. Is that on purpose? Uh, no, that's uh, what Sarah for one of those tinfoil people calls it. I think the oh yeah, CO two was also pinging out that the GSM got got uh, gig oh, and it wasn't GigX, It was the GSM that did it. It's the Goon Council. Yeah, Goon uh, Goon Seller Management. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the GSM. Oh, that's funny. All right, guys. Thanks very much, uh, uh, Asher and Elise. I did have one thing to chime in on, if that's sure. okay. Yeah, of um, course. So uh, for the last three years, uh, changing tune completely, um, there's been a charity stream that goes on the this on the Eve Twitch channels um, for 72 hours straight. There's like a bunch of dudes involved, and it all goes to like a real life charity. Um, last year, I think they set the record for most money raised by a, a player group for a charity uh, at Eve Online, which is quite a big accomplishment knowing how charitable EVE Online players are. They raised something like $35,000 for the uh, charity Able Gamers. Um, the organization is called Evathon, or I guess the uh, the event is called Evathon. It starts this Friday at, at uh, midnight EVE time, or midnight EVE time Friday, so I guess Thursday night for, for the US folks. And it runs an entire 72 hours. There's always It's always up. It's gonna go over and over and over for 72 straight hours. Um, I know Rain is involved, so maybe she'll she'll post some stuff about it. Um, but there's like streamers like Bjorn being there. There's there's like the Zarvoxes of the world. There's like 13 to 20 like quality streamers, and it's for a really good cause. It's for uh, a charity known as Special Effect. So if you guys uh, just want to tune in sometime this weekend, or if you see it, uh, you should just tune in. Maybe maybe throw some some real life dollary dues at it. Yeah, I think talking in stations next week is going to be a part of that. Um, there was a scheduling conflict. We'll see if that worked out. And if it did, we'll, we'll definitely be a part of that. So next week, if you're watching live, we'll be asking for a lot of donations for a good cause uh, and hopefully being a part of this huge thing that these players do. Thanks, Elise, for bringing that up. Yeah, uh, it's one of the cool things about EVE Online when it ever like delves into like the, the real world type things and doing things for good. So um, I remember doing, doing actual good things. Right. And also there was a big, while we were on air today, there was a big, big fight in wormhole space. We'll cover that next week as well. All right. Well, Artemis, thanks for showing up. Dirk had to leave early, uh, not early, but on time because we actually went a little bit late, but it was such a good explanation of what had happened in the last few months that we had to just go with it. Uh, and thanks Asher and Elise for showing up. That's all we have time for this week. We will see you next week on a special Talking in Stations. Talking in Stations.